Anytime these guys in the Bible talked about the word truth, they were talking about the word of God. Amen? Thy word is truth. Thy word is truth. You know, Hollywood and movies and television shows and, 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 and books and novels and whatever, you know, any kind of thing like that, are, are people just down the street. People are always misquoting scriptures, are actually quoting scriptures, but quoting them uh, with, with not having any understanding of it. You know, it's very, you, you see so many police shows and, 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 and criminals and, and the detectives and, and prison, and you see all these kind of things over all these years where somebody will quote the scripture. I mean, it's amazing how many times you hear it. Uh, somebody will quote the scripture. Well, you know, if you tell the truth, truth will make you free. I tell you what, I've seen so many shows where some, some policeman tells some, some guy, hey, if you'll tell the truth, it'll set you free. Or I've seen some criminals say, well, I told the truth, it didn't set me free. Or they say, if you tell the truth, it set you free, it didn't set me free. And, and you, you hear that and hear that and hear that and hear that and hear that. But that's not even what Jesus said. Jesus, Jesus said that he was talking about, he wasn't talking about confessing your sins. He wasn't talking about telling the truth. He was talking about using the word, the truth. And he said it like this in John chapter 8. He said, if, if you continue in my word, then you'll be my disciples indeed, and then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Amen? That's a whole different life than, hey, if you'll tell me the truth, you know, if you'll just confess your sins, it'll be all right. No, you just didn't say that. He said, if you continue in the word, if you continue in the truth, if you continue in the word, then you'll be my disciples indeed. And then, then you'll know the truth, the word. And that truth, that word, will set you free. Well, I can see y'all are really excited about that. <clears throat> I'm glad you're here tonight. Sunday night Christians, I tell you. God doesn't have many Sunday night Christians anymore, but he sure does like them. He sure likes it when he can get some Sunday night Christians. And I tell you what, if he can get some Monday night and Tuesday night Christians, he, heaven, heaven's all excited about that. My goodness, I'm glad you're here. Thank God you're here. I believe, I believe you won't go away disappointed. I believe that you come to receive something tonight. And uh, I believe as we make demand on the Spirit of God, make demand on the anointing of God, make demand on the things of God that we'll, we'll receive from God. Amen? And when I say make demand, I'm not talking about pushing God around. You know what I'm talking about. This building is wired for electricity. It's, it's got power here. It's here all the time. And if you stumble in here at 2 o'clock in the morning, it's totally pitch black. And you don't know how to make demand on that electricity. You don't know where the switches are. You don't know how to get it to work for you. Even though the power is here, it won't do you any good. You've got to learn how to make demand on it. Isn't that right? And, and that's the way you are. The power of God's in you. The power of God's in the Word. The power of God's everywhere. But we've got to learn to make demand on it. Or yet we can just walk stumble around in the dark and not figure out how to make it work for us. So we make demand on things of God. We make demands on faith, make demands on the preacher, make demands on, on the Spirit of God and the things of God. And when we make demand on it, then it, uh, you know, a faith, that, a faith that costs nothing and demands nothing and does nothing is also worth nothing. Boy, it's a tough crowd tonight, Pastor. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You ready to get in the Word tonight? Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the truth. Thank you for uh, a people of God that learned to make demand on the things of God, on the ministry gifts, on the anointing. Father, we can come in here and, and, and be hungry 
for your word and make demand on it and receive from it. And, Father, that we'll go away from here with, with nuggets of gold, that we'll go away from here, Father, with fresh word and fresh manna that will minister to us. Father, that we will not just leave here and say, oh, that was a cute little point the preacher made, but, Father, we'll go with life-changing and valuable truth that we put into effect into our lives on a daily basis. Thank you, Father. Thank you for a church that ministers the Word of God like this one does. Thank you for a, a, a great church with a great pastor, with a great congregation, with a great God, with a great vision of getting the gospel to the world, of lifting people, helping people, changing people, loving people, ministering to people. Thank you, Father, for using this place like a great lighthouse to shine the glorious light of the gospel to the nations, to shine the light where the light's dim, name the name of Jesus where it's not been named. Thank you for a church and a people that are a city set on a hill, the light of the world, the salt of the earth. Thank you, Father, that we're here and about the Master's business. Father, I ask you, as I've already talked to you about, that I'll not speak of myself nor in the flesh, but the Holy Spirit, the greater one that indwells us, rise up big within us now and think through our thoughts, speak through our lips, minister words that will get on the inside of us and create faith, for faith comes by hearing the Word. And as we hear the Word of God tonight, Father, faith will rise in this place. Father, faith will rise in this place. Faith will rise in this place. Thank you for the word of God, Father. And as faith rises in this place, you'll be able to touch us at the point of our faith and do miracles and healings, deliverance, signs, wonders, whatever is necessary. You'll be able to do it and we'll do it. And I thank you for it. And Father, we give you the glory and the honor and the praise, majesty and dominion in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen, 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 amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Matthew chapter 10, <clears throat> excuse me, Matthew's gospel, the 10th chapter, starting at, at verse 1, it reads like this. It said, when Jesus called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them what? Power. He gave them power. He gave them power over unclean spirits. To cast them out. Now he gave them power over unclean spirits for a purpose. The purpose was to cast them out. What are you supposed to do with unclean spirits? You cast them out. You're not to talk to them, to visit with them, to counsel them, to count them, to collect them in little bags to prove your deliverance ministry. You're, you're to cast them out. God doesn't like unclean spirits. Jesus doesn't like unclean spirits, and he doesn't want you to like unclean spirits. Isn't that right? And so he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal. What to heal? Power to heal. He gave them power to heal all manner of sickness and all, a double L, longest word in the Bible, all manner of disease. Yeah, but not, not, not cancer. No, all manner of sickness. Yeah, but not AIDS. All manner of disease. And listen to what he said. He gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out. And I'm talking about real spirits. I'm not talking about American devils. I'm talking about real devils. You take it from a missionary that's been around the world for 44 years, and I've been with real devils. Not American devils. American devils are devils that couldn't make it in the mission fields. <laughs> I'm talking about real devils. And I've cast out real devils all over the world because Jesus gave us power.
power. You know, you know, I get amazed at the church in America because pastor of the church in America, I mean, if we can't cast out American devils, we'd be hard-pressed if you ever came up against a, a first-rate devil. I mean, you know, I go to churches in America, and they, they, you know, I was walking out of a church one day, and a lady was coming in. She said, hello, Brother Terry. I said, hello, sister. How are you doing? She said, oh, I'm doing well. I'm, I'm, here, I'm, here, to see, I'm here to see Pastor. I'm here, I'm here for, I'm here for a, another deliverance session. And I just stopped and said, wait, 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 wait. You're here for what? She said, I'm here for, a, I'm here for another deliverance session. I said, Session? <laughs> session? You're here for a for a session? Jesus didn't have sessions. I said, but you, by your wording, I'm assuming that there have been previous sessions. <laughs> oh yes, this is my 14th session. Well, I'm assuming by your wording that there's probably going to be more sessions. Oh, yes, I come back next Thursday. Well, well, my question is, when do you get delivered? Isn't that a legitimate question? When? when? You've had 14 sessions and you're already planning on number 15. When? When do you say, I'm done? When, when, When do you get delivered? You know, Jesus didn't have sessions. He didn't tell people, come back next Thursday. (laughs) Jesus cast out spirits with his word. Isn't that right? He didn't have sessions. We don't need to have sessions. We need to cast out devils. Amen, brother. That's a good word. Just keep preaching. Well, thank you. I believe I will. And after he, after he said verse, after, after verse 1, we get down to verse 8, and he got very specific with it. And he said, heal the sick. There's no question about that, is there? There's no gray area about that. Heal the sick. He didn't say consider healing the sick. Heal the sick if you feel like it. Have some sessions to heal the sick. He said, heal the sick. Cleanse the leper. Boy, I love the fact he just didn't leave any question back. Cleanse the leper. Tell you, Pastor, I was so happy the first time I ever got my first leper. My goodness. I'd been working on all those things Jesus said to do all those years. Man, I'd raised the dead and I'd, I'd had blind eyes open, deaf ears unstopped, and I'd had all that stuff. I just never had run into a leper. Man, I got to India and ran into some lepers. I was the happiest guy on the planet. <laughs> Cleanse the leper. Raise the dead. Cast out devils. Freely you've received, freely give. I like that. What if the church, what if the church really could believe Matthew 10.1? I mean, can we really believe that? Come on, man, this is 2012. I mean, get, can we really believe that? Jesus gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal. 
to heal, to heal, to heal, to heal, all A-W-L, all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Can, can we possibly, possibly believe that? That's got to be one of the most powerful scriptures in the Bible. If we were, if, if the church was hitting on just six out of eight cylinders on Matthew 10, 1, I guess we have cylinders anymore, do we? If the church was just hitting 75%, you know, of Matthew 10, 1, you wouldn't have to worry about programs to get people in the church. You wouldn't need programs. You wouldn't need sessions. You wouldn't need any of the, any of the gimmicks and gadgets to get people in church. I mean, the place would be full. If they knew there was a place that could heal the sick, all manner of sickness, all A-W, all manner of sickness and all manner of disease, if they knew there's a place that could cast out devils, well, our churches wouldn't have any, we wouldn't have any problem with attendance, would we? Well, can we believe that? Can we possibly believe Matthew 10, 1? Just stop and think about that. Jesus said it. Jesus did it. Can we, can we wrap our head around it? Can we, can we believe that? You know, this morning, Sunday morning, in half the world, and yesterday in the other half of the world, so for 48 hours it's been Sunday, it was Sunday yesterday in half the world. It's Sunday today in the other half of the world. Isn't that right? So you got, you got Sunday for two days somewhere. And you got millions of Christians sitting in churches. This morning, I don't know how many churches there are just in this town. But just, just, just up and down this coastline, I mean, how many churches are there? I mean, Pentecostal churches and Charismatic churches and Baptist churches and, and Methodist churches. I mean, churches and churches and churches and churches and churches and churches and churches. And people were sitting in, in, in church this morning, just in this nation alone, not, not to mention other nations around the world, but just in this nation, from sea to shining sea, from east to west, from north to south, millions of Christians sitting in church with their Bible in their lap, with Matthew 10, 1 in their lap, and, and, and I... I wager to tell you, they're not not a handful of them believe Matthew ten one. Can we believe that? We all are really sober tonight. <laughs> Y'all act like you're here for the long haul, man. You, you <laughs> my my reputation must have preceded you. And pastor told me I'd preach as long as I want to tonight. Now, the longest I've ever preached in one service is ten and a half hours. So, so I don't feel that anointing tonight and have no intentions of doing that tonight. But, man, you'd like it if it did. Can you imagine if Matthew 10, 1 were working in the church? And somebody said, yeah, Brother Terry, but that was just the disciples. That's just those 12 guys. One of them, one of them bailed out. Well... In Luke's gospel, chapter 10 and verse 19, let's start in verse 17, it tells us that there was another 70. And it says in verse 17, and the 70 returned. So don't tell me it's just for the 12 disciples because there was another 70. That's 82 right there. And it says, and the 70 returned, rejoicing, saying, Jesus, 
This stuff works, man. We're healing people. We're getting people. We're getting people helped and healed and blessed and miracles and even even casting out. Even the devils are subject to us in your name. And Jesus said, "Well, duh." He said, "Of course, certainly. What do you expect?" He said, listen, I was there. I, I was there. I was in heaven when my father booted him out of heaven. He said, I was there. I saw him fall as lightning from heaven. Don't get excited about that. Don't get excited about that. He said, don't be rejoicing over that, that the devils are subject to you in my name. He said, you need to rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In verse 19, he said, now behold, or look, or pay attention, or listen to me. Look up here. I give you power. That first word power there, he used the word power two times in that verse. That first word power comes from the original language from the word exousia or, or authority. I give you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all, A-double, over all the power. That word power there is the word dunamis. We get our word dynamite from, meaning ability. Over all the ability or the power of the enemy. So in other words, he says, I give you authority over all the ability of the devil. And nothing, I love that, N-O-T-H-I-N-G, no thing, shall by any means hurt you. Come on, people. Can we possibly believe that? Could we possibly believe Luke 10, 19? What What an awesome, powerful, incredible, marvelous, Thing that, I mean, Jesus said that. I give you power, authority. God used a stronger word in Genesis with Adam and Eve. He said, I give you dominion. I want you to dominate this place. Isn't that right? I preach a lot on spiritual authority. You, you, I think you know why. I mean, you, you have to have it if you go where I go and do what I do. Authority, dominion. God said, I want you to dominate this thing. I want you to dominate this planet. I want you to dominate the fowl of the air and the, uh, the, the beast of the field and the fish of the sea and everything that creeps on this earth. You, you have dominion over creeps. Isn't that right? <laughs> and Jesus said, I give you power. I give you authority over all the ability of the enemy and nothing. No thing. N-O-T-H-I-N-G. No Things shall by any means hurt you. What in the world was that scripture worth? If you could go out of here knowing you had divine protection, you can go out of here and no thing, nothing shall by any means, any means, any means, any means, any means hurt you. You know, you know, for 44 years I've traveled around this world. And then Jackie and I traveled around the world, and then Jackie and I and four kids traveled around the world, and now grandkids. And you know, way back years and years and years ago, the State Department used to actually write me letters. They hadn't done that in a long, long, long time, or send me telegrams back in the day, and say, you know, Reverend, I don't go to this country, and you're supposed to be going to this country. Don't, don't go there. And I'd say, you know, I've got to go. I'd call them and say, I've got to go. I can't help going. I got to go. And their big answer was always the same: as always, well, try not to look like an American. Great, thanks a lot. But you know, when you've got Luke ten nineteen that no thing, no thing 
You know, we live in such a world of fear today and have for a long time now. You, you can't operate in fear and try to get faith to work. We've got to go around. You know, I have people talk to me all the time about going to Mexico. Because I love Mexico. It's my first love. I don't get to go there very much anymore, but I do go every year, but not like I'd like to. But Because but, uh, I was on six continents last year, and, and uh, I, I never did get to the seventh continent. I've just never felt any great leading to go to Antarctica and preach to penguins. But, but I, 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 I do do the other six on a regular basis. And last year I was on preaching in six continents, and, and, we'll, and we'll do the same this year. But... Uh, you know, they're always telling me, don't go here, and don't go here, and don't go here. And, you know, and the whole thing about Mexico, you know, they, t- they say, man, in Mexico, they've killed 40,000 people. Well, you know, you know I-, I know Mexico. I love Mexico. And I understand the Cetas, and I understand the Pepes. That's the two big drug cartels there. And I understand the whole thing that's going on there. And I know they've killed 40,000 people. But that can't affect me. They're not going to kill me. You know, back when, when 9-11 happened, I, uh, you know, I... I, I I told some people of American Airlines, I said, you know, American Airlines ought to pay me to fly on their birds. <laughs> they didn't take me up on it, but I told them, I said, you, you, ought to ha- you ought to let me do a seminar with your pilots and flight attendants. Or, or, are you here? <laughs> you know, I live in a real world, man. I live in a real world where there's a real devil. Do you all live in the real world? Well, there's a real devil and there's real sickness and real disease and real garbage and real junk. And, but, you know, we got a real word from a real God that makes us conquerors more than over all that stuff. And it's time the church wake up and slap herself and come back to reality and say, you know what? We're, we're in charge. I said, we're in charge. We're in dominion. We're in dominion. The church is in dominion. I remember when you used to believe that. You still believe that? That the church, not some mealy-mouthed, sissified church that can't do anything, just, just holding on till Jesus comes back. No, the, I'm talking about the church triumphant. See, with this kind of stuff, you can, you can live that way. We've gotten so, so used to living in the world that we've got of the world. And we're not supposed to be of the world. We're just supposed to be in the world. We're not supposed to think like that. You know, there ought to be a difference, Pastor, in disciples and atheists. There just ought to be a difference. Disciples ought to look different, talk different, act different, think different, live different, smell different. Man, we ought to just... God's put us in authority, put us in dominion. I give you power. Jesus said, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all, all, A-double-L, all, longest word in the Bible, all the power of the enemy and nothing. I told you that story this morning. Well, that hitchhiker in Mexico pulled a gun on me, stuck in my ribs, and then he shot at me five times at point-blank range, close as I am to you, and the bullets didn't hit me. That's the very scripture I used then. I said, Lord, Jesus said in Luke 10, 19, that nothing, in O-T-H-I-N-G, nothing shall by any means hurt me. That means this man, his gun, his bullets can't hurt me. So if he pulls the trigger, you must do something with the bullets for your covenant's sake, not for my sake, not because I'm a nice guy, not because I've got a wife and kids, not because I'm a missionary, not because of anything I did, for your covenant's sake. 
to make your word good. Amen? Amen. And he did pull the trigger, and God did do something with the bullets. And, and you know, it's a great and wonderful testimony, but we're supposed to live that way. Isn't that right? Jesus gave us power, authority, dominion. And, and the church is going to have to get back to believing that and understanding that and living that way and operating that way. Amen? Amen. You know, if you, back in 1991, I guess it was, I went into the nation of, of Zimbabwe. I want to tell you some testimonies. Pastor asked me this morning to share some experiences with you, so I told you tonight I'd try to, I'd try to get that done, so I need to quit preaching on these two scriptures, which would be my choice, and tell you some, tell you some testimonies and some experiences. But uh, I went into Zimbabwe, Africa. And, of course, you can check this out. You can look it up. You can Google it. You can find out all kinds of information about this. But when I went into Zimbabwe, uh, it, it, it was right in the, in the middle of a horrible, horrible, terrible drought. And this drought was so bad. That, and, in fact, it had been a long, long drought over in the, the next nation over of, of Mozambique. Just a horrible, scorched earth type thing. And, and Zimbabwe was so, so bad that when I arrived there, it was, they were actually putting on the front page of the paper every day, the capital city of Harare, the, the, the newspaper, the national newspaper of the country, every, every day they were putting up on the top right-hand corner in a little black box, they were counting down the numbers of days that was left of water in the reservoir until everybody would be dead. Now, the day I got there, it was 40. Now, can you imagine if you're living there? Can you now? I'm listening to me as a, as a mother, as a grandmother, as a, as a father, as a grandfather. I mean, as a do you sit there every day of your life and open see the newspaper and it tells you that in 40 days your babies are going to be dead? I mean, the pressure of living with that, counting down, counting down, counting. The next day, 39 days. The next day, 38 days. The next day, 37. Days, and 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 I mean, in 37 days, you're going to be dead. Your wife's going to be dead. Your kids are going to be dead. And there's nothing can be done about this. They were talking. I mean, they had the UN there. They had all kinds of people there. They were having all kinds of councils. They were talking about pulling uh, icebergs up from the south and down from the north. And, and they were talking about doing everything imaginable and unimaginable, trying to get some kind of water into Zimbabwe, and there was just no way, and it wasn't happening. It was a serious, serious, serious situation. It was reaching 130 degrees Fahrenheit during the daytime. Birds were literally falling from the sky. The government had already sent the military into the bush to slaughter the elephants because the elephants need so much water and take so much water and use so much water, and so they had just absolutely slaughtered them. In fact, Lester Summerall was still living back then, and he found out about it, and he sent uh, Feed the Hungry People and gathered up the elephant meat and, and, and fed lots and lots and lots of people with the, with the slaughtered elephants. I mean, it, this was a bad, 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 bad deal. The crops, of course, had died. The, there's, no, there's no harvest. There's no crops. There's no anything. And so I, I was invited to a pastor's conference, to a minister's conference. And it wasn't my conference. Normally, I do my meetings. Normally, I do Terry Mize meetings, which means I'm in charge and I can preach what I want and do what I want and control the, the way the meeting's going and control the way the, 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 what the crowd's being fed and ministered to. But, but, but this particular time, it wasn't my meeting. I was just a guest speaker and I was one of a number of speakers. There were a bunch of speakers. I was the only one from America. And, uh, and I have a lot of history in Zimbabwe and they love me and so they had invited me to come. And, and I knew a lot of those speakers, a lot of those guys from Zimbabwe were great men of God, are still great men of God, and, and uh, ministers of the gospel. And I'd known some of them for a long time. Some of them were very large 
ministries, very famous in, in the nation. I'd been to their been to their homes and stuff. But but when I got there, there was just such a depression on the nation, and even on these preachers. And and, and when I walked in, it just it just wasn't a good situation, Mike. And I I walked in there and and. Uh, begin to preach at this meeting, and we had day sessions and night sessions and so on and so forth. And, and, and every morning the, the newspaper's clicking down the days and clicking down the days. And that's all anybody's talking about. You know how it is when the weather's weird in your town? If it's a little cool or a little windy or a little hot or a little dry or a little wet, people just talk about it and talk about it and talk about it. Well, you, you can imagine talking about it if you're about to die. I mean, if the newspaper says you're going to be dead in, in a few weeks, then, you know, it, it's, it's the only thing people are talking about. And so... Uh, I'd get up and I'd preach. My session, you know, I'd get up and I'd preach faith. And preach the word and preach faith and faith would rise in the crowd. It'd come up. Not very much, but it'd come up. And then the next guy would get up and preach and I mean it'd just fall. Because they weren't preaching faith. They weren't preaching the word. They were preaching you're going to die and God's judging this nation and, and, and you better repent and sin this and this and that and that and, and you're dying and, and it's terrible and it's awful and shame on everybody and there's even preaching shame on America, you know, for some reason. I never did figure out what that was about. And shame on the missionaries, which I didn't figure that out. But anyway, they're just preaching bad about everybody. And, and I'm sitting there on the front row just thinking, man, this is, this is not good. This is not good. This is a dangerous situation. If something doesn't happen, this is, this is going to be a bad deal, man. I mean, I mean, a nation's dying. And so I'd get up and preach, and man, it did, you know, I'd, Pull them up a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, and then blam. And I'd get up and preach and pull it up a little bit, and then, and I, I wasn't winning, man. I mean, I was, you know, there's about, there's about seven or eight of us preachers, and it was, it was, I was not winning this deal. And so, uh, every day it was just getting worse, and every day it was bad, and every day it was, you know, and the newspapers counting down every day, and, and so finally, finally one night I was sitting there toward the end of the week, I was sitting over on the front row back over here, and, and I just sat there, and, and this preacher was up preaching. Gentleman I had known for years, still know for years, and know, know him, know his wife, know his kids, you know. And he's just preaching some bad stuff. And I'm just sitting there, and I, I said to the Lord, I said, Father, I didn't come halfway around the world to waste my time and your money and my partner's money. You know, it costs a lot of money to do what I do, and I've got partners all over the place that send me money to help me out. There's partners, personal partners here here tonight and, and, and this morning, you know, that, that send me money and, and, and pray for me and expect me to go do right. And and, 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 and I sat there and said, Lord, I, I didn't come halfway around the world to waste my time and your money to watch these people die. This isn't right, and I'm not winning. I, I'm, I'm outnumbered in the preaching game here, and I'm pulling the faith up a little bit, and then it's slamming back down again, and the newspaper's counting down, and this, this thing's nuts. And I, I said to the Lord, I said, this is like practicing bleeding. Who needs it? And I said, I'm not going to sit here and watch these people die. And I sat there a little while longer, and finally I said, I'm going home. I'm going home. When I get back to the hotel tonight, it, it's daytime in America. I'll call my secretary and tell her to get me on a plane out of here tomorrow. I am not going to stay here and watch these people die. I'm going, I'm going to the house. And I, man, I was done. I didn't know what else to do. And uh, so service was finally over, thankfully. And uh, they called us preachers back to the back to eat. And there's probably about 120 of us that they call back to the back to eat. And so we're sitting in the back room and we're eating sadza, which is a national dish of Zimbabwe, and they just they just 
boil it and pour it out on a table and you sit there and you eat with your right hand. And, and uh, I guess the closest I could explain to you what it is, in fact, we're in California, I don't even know if I could explain it to you. <laughs> if we were in the South, I'd tell you it's, it, it's the closest I could explain it to you would be grits, only it's not grits, but that's the closest thing I could get to it. But I don't think you'd have anything similar to that out here. So, so never mind. But we were sitting there eating sadza. And, and I'm just watching the clock. There's a clock right up on the wall. And I'm just sitting there eating and watching the clock, thinking, Terry, just, just keep your mouth shut. You know, just be nice. Now, Jackie's told me all my, all the years we've been married, she said, darling, just, just be nice. <laughs> just be nice. She used to write me notes and stick in my luggage in the old days. And in my Bible, she didn't do that anymore. But she used to just write me and say, I'd open my luggage, open my, be nice. And, and I thought that was a good idea. And I got to where I'd write myself notes. Even on my notes, when I used to preach with notes, I'd put, Terry, be nice here. This is a hard point. Be nice. And, and I believe in being nice. I mean, I really am a nice guy. I mean, you may not be able to tell that, but I mean, if you knew me, I'm, I'm really a nice guy. And, and, you know, I mean, that's my grandkids. They think I'm great. And so, you know, and so... But, you know, the problem is God has these gifts and callings, and apostles aren't nice. You know, they try to be, but you just, it's just, an, the apostles' ministry is a, is a boat-rocking, wave-making, shake-loose, straighten-up, you know. And I, I go into, sometimes I've gone into meetings and say, it's great, big camp meetings and big conventions, and I tell myself all the time, Terry, if you'll just be nice. Go in there, love on those people, tell them some raising the dead stories, tell them some casting devils out of witch doctor story, just tell them some nice mission story, and you'll get out of here, and you'll be, you'll be the favorite speaker in the whole place. Nobody can tell stories you got. I got tech stories no preachers don't have. You know, I can tell stories, and, and man, people will buy all your books and all your tapes, and they'll love you, and they'll be your partners, and they'll pray for you, and, and just, just, and then I end up getting there, and then I end up chewing folks out about something, because God said, God said, you need to quit committing adultery. You need to quit, you need to stop this. You need to stop that. You preachers need to straighten up. So, but so, but I'm for being nice. And so I was telling myself that night in Zimbabwe, just be nice. That's all you have to do. You don't have to just, just, all you have to do is wait about 30 minutes. And then that will be polite. And then you can leave and go to the hotel, call your secretary, get a plane, get out of here, and they'll all be dead. <laughs> I don't know why I was trying to be nice to folks that are going to be dead. I, if I'd have thought that through... Then I just said, fooey on being nice, they're all going to be dead anyway. <laughs> but that was my plan. Eat your sadza, be nice for 30 minutes, and get out of here, and don't make anybody mad. So I was just eating my sadza and watching the clock. Finally, it hit 30 minutes, and I knew that I could leave and not hurt anybody's feelings. And so, I man, I cleaned my right hand off, and I headed to the door. And uh, I, I just said, good night, gospel preachers. God bless you all. Y'all have a good night, and I didn't say I'll see you in the morning, because I'm not planning on seeing him in the morning. I'm planning on being at the airport in the morning and being gone. So I just said, good night, and God bless you, sleep well. And I'm, I'm, just, I'm just this close to the door, man. Dale, I'm almost out the door. And one of those preachers stood up and said, wait a minute, Brother Terry. Before you leave, we want you to pray about this. And when he said that, my Popeye spirit came out. I mean, I mean, I've stands all I can stands and I can stands no more. And I just, I just lost it. When he said that, I whirled around on him and, and all those guys were sitting there eating their sods and this one guy standing up and I just yelled at him and I said, pray about what? 
Well, they all stopped and looked up, you know. And he said, well, well, well Brother Terry, we, we, we want you to pray about the drought. And I said, what about the drought? Well, we, we want you to pray that, you know, that God will end the drought. I said, God end the drought? You've been preaching to these people all week that God caused the drought. Well, yeah, yeah, he did. I said, no, he did not. My God did not cause this drought. My God didn't kill the cattle, didn't kill the crops, didn't kill the elephants. My God's not killing you, but you're all dying. And you know whose fault that is? He said, no, brother, here, to who, who? And I said, you, you preachers, all this nation is dying. You're going to be dead in 30 days. Your babies are going to be dead. Your wives are going to be dead. Your mothers and grandmothers are going to be dead. And it's your fault. They said, well, why, why, why do you believe it's our fault? I said, because God gave dominion to the church. God gave authority to the church. But I said, but the church listens to the preachers, and you've lied to them. And told them this was God's fault. But Jesus said that a house divided against itself can't stand. The Bible says that blessing and cursing can't come out of the same mouth, and bitter water and sweet can't come out of the same fountain. God can't be the bad guy and the good guy. He can't be the blesser and the cursor. And you need to make up your mind which one he is because you're killing your nation. And he said, well, what are we going to do about it? How do we fix it? I said, make it rain. End the drought. Save the nation. Change history. See, I think the church ought to change history. I think the church not only ought to change history, I think the church ought to make history. And he said, Brother Terry, how do we do that? He's just in tears by now. How do we do that? And I said, come in here at 8 o'clock in the morning, and I'll teach you on spiritual authority, and, and, and I'll make it rain. I'll make it rain while I'm here. I said, but I don't live here. I'll be gone after a while, and then what are you going to do? I said, I'll make it rain. I'll make it rain. Hold on here. I'll make it rain this week. Be here at 8 o'clock in the morning. Man, I tell you, 8 o'clock in the next morning, they were all jammed in there. And I taught them for four solid hours. We didn't take a break for bathroom or any other reason, man. I taught them for four solid hours on spiritual authority and dominion. And after we got finished with that, or after I got finished with that, I said, now, you guys ready to make it rain? You ready to end this drought? Yeah, boy, they're ready by now. I mean, four hours, they're ready. And I said, well, stand up. And I said, you, you let me lead you in a, in a declaration and let me lead you in a prayer. And so I had them decree and pray and so on and so forth. And, and uh, after we got through, I said, now we need to praise God. Anytime you ask God to do something, we need to thank him. And let's just let's get serious about praise. Let's thank him for it. Oh, Father, thank you. And so we begin to praise him. And all those preachers, and I begin to praise him. Oh, Father, thank you. I hear the sound of abundance of rain. I hear the sound. Oh, Father, I hear the It rains on the just and the unjust alike. Thank you for the rain. Father, thank you for life to this nation. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. By the way, if it rains this week, don't blame me because... Typically, when I tell this story, it does. My kids, my kids have begged me for years. And my grandkids, Papa, please don't tell that story. You know, I mean, please don't tell that story. But anyway, if it rains, just don't worry about it. But um, while I was walking and praising God, had my eyes shut, just walking and praising God, there was an American missionary there, and he'd been sitting at the back, over on the left side, all the way at the back, and he had run down to the front. And, and I didn't even see him because I, I was just thanking God. And, and he had run down the front and grabbed my shirt. And I stopped and opened my eyes. And he, he was grabbing the front of my shirt and just started shaking me. 
And he said, dear God, Terry, you've got to stop this right now. You've got to stop this, dear God, man. It can't rain here. The transcontinental, transcontinental inversion layer is thousands of miles north up past Kenya. It can't rain. You've got to stop this. And I, I opened my eyes and looked at him and I grabbed his hand and said, take your hands off me and go sit down. You're out of order. I said, I don't know what that is, but it's going to rain. You better get your umbrella and your galoshes because it's going to come a frog strangler and a gully washer. And you better get with the program. Now, I didn't know what that was, so I went home and looked it up. Went back to the hotel and looked it up. And sure enough, the transcontinental inversion layer is what controls weather in that part of the world. And sure enough, it was thousands of miles north up past Kenya. And sure enough, it couldn't rain in the natural. And so when we finished with all that, he left and went and sat down. And I'm praising God. And we got through. I said, now listen to me, preachers, men of God. I said, I decree to you. As a man of God in the name of Jesus, in the office of apostle that God's called me to, the drought in Zimbabwe is officially broken. And it will rain in the next 24 hours. And if it doesn't rain in the next 24 hours, I'm not a man of God. I'm a false prophet. And you don't ever have to listen to me again. I'll leave this country and never come back. And you never have to listen to me again. Well, that afternoon in the session, I told the crowd, oh man, they thought it was great. That night, the crusade crowd came together. And I got up and told them, I've got good news for you. The drought in Zimbabwe is officially broken. And I decree to you as a man of God, the name of Jesus, the office of apostle God's called me to, that it'll rain the next 24 hours. And if it doesn't, I'm not a man of God, and you don't ever have to listen to me again. Now let's thank God. And I tell you what, they begin to dance. And if you hadn't been to Africa, you hadn't seen dancing. Oh, it's, it's wonderful. It's beautiful. It's marvelous. And they, they begin to dance and dance. I had taught them all week long on God is a good God. God is a good God. And they begin to dance and sing God is good. In the Shona language, that's the Shona tribe there in, in Harare. And, uh, it, it's, it's Mare Watanaka. And they begin to sing and dance that God is good. And I, I, I found, I just quit and went up in the, in the bleachers and just watched them for a while. It was, Wonderful. So the next morning, I got up early in my hotel room, and I was praying. And I was telling God who he is. I preached to you this morning, who do you say Jesus is? And I said, you're Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Raya, Jehovah Shalom. You're my doctor, my lawyer, my banker. You're everybody that's anybody. And I'm just talking to him the way I always do, and I'm just praying. And that morning, I said, and you're the, and you're the drought ender, and you're the rain maker. You're the maker of the rain. You're the master of the weather. You're the master of the wind. And Father, you're the, you're the drought ender, and you're the life giver, and it's raining in this nation, and I thank you for it. And, and, and I'm just praying, and so, uh, it got time to go out to the first service, 8 o'clock in the morning, you know, early before the 8 o'clock service. So I went down and got in the car. They'd come to get me. And as I walked to the car, I looked up at the sky, and it was, it was a cloudless, cloudless sky. It was blue, 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 blue. And that old African sun was hot. I mean, when it gets to be 130 degrees in the day, it doesn't cool off much at night, and it was already hot. And uh, they took me to the service, and I walked in. And when I walked in, Pastor... Just walked in at the back and looking at the body language of those guys, man. They had already looked at the sky, every one of them. And they were miserable. I mean, they were slumped over in their seats. Their heads were down. Their shoulders were slumped. They had absolutely lost all hope. They were miserable. It was 
bad. And I, as I just walked in the back door and saw that, you know, you see all that thing and assess it in, a, you know, just a split second. And so as I was walking down from the back, I said, glory to God. Good morning, gospel ministers, preachers of the gospel. Glory to God. What a day to be alive. What a day. What a day. Glory to God. Today is the day that we've changed history. Man, they're just sitting there. And I'm walking down, I got to the front, and I said, come on, glory to God. This is a day you'll tell your children about. This is a day you'll tell your grandchildren about. This is a day that will be marked in the history books. And it is, by the way. This is a day that, that, that we change history. This is the day that you saved your nation and your children and your wives. Now, glory to God, what a day, what a day, what a day. And they didn't move. Beth, I mean, they didn't move. They were hurting. And I knew they were hurting. Sometimes you know people are hurting, but you, you've gotta, you've gotta get to them. And I said, come on preachers, glory to God, let's give God some praise. Let's give Him glory. What a day. Oh my, what a day, what a day, what a day. Now, now come on, let's pray. And they just sit there. I said, come on guys, get up, get up, get up, let's praise God, get up. Not a person moved. And I said, get on your feet right now in the name of Jesus. Boy, I mean, they all stood up. I said, now come on, let's praise God. This is a day that's changed this nation, brought life to this nation. The drought's over. It's raining. Life has come. And we're, 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 this is a day that changed history. And they're just standing. I said, come on now. Now let's praise Him. Let's praise Him. Get your hands up in the air. And they literally tried. They physically tried. I mean, I'd watch these guys. They'd, they'd lean back and try to get their hands up. I mean, Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Thank you for. I mean, they tried. Some of them, you know, made it. I mean, but it was, it was, it was tough there. And I said, "Come on, guys, get your hands in the air. Let's give Him glory. Let's give Him thanks. Let's give Him praise. He's He's God. He's Jehovah Jireh. I mean, He's He's meeting our needs. He's the He's the Master of the rain. It's raining today. And they tried for a little bit, and finally I said, "All oh, sit down." Open your Bible, get in your book today, and let's get in the Word of God. And when I said that, it cracked outside. And it thundered, and it lightened, and it rained, 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 and it rained. And it rained there for several days, and finally I came home. And a, a couple of weeks or so later, two or three weeks later, I forget how long it was, I was walking through the living room, and CNN News was on, because Fox hadn't been invented yet, and, and, and so, and I always listen to world news because I'm a missionary and I need to know what's going on in the world. And so, uh, CNN was on. And, and as I was walking through the living room, I heard them make this announcement to the, where they were kind enough to announce to the whole world. CNN said, the drought that's been going on for so long in Zimbabwe, Africa is officially broken. And then about March, that was January when I was there, about March, I started getting calls from pastors in Zimbabwe saying, Brother Terry, come turn it off. <laughs> I said, turn it off yourself, man. It's your nation. You're, you're in authority there. You're in dominion there. But do you understand what I'm talking to you about tonight? We, we've got, Jesus gave us authority. He gave us authority. He, he gave us dominion. Now you understand the difference in what I did and the difference in what Christians in America 
do. See, pastor gets up and preaches you some strong authority message and dominion message, and, and, and people go out and start trying to tinker with the weather because over, a, over a football game or over a picnic or over a party or over, and you know, we start, you know, we start hurting the farmers because the farmers need rain and we don't want it to rain because it mess up our day. You know, and I'm not talking, I wasn't over there praying to make me happy. I'm praying for the benefit of the nation. You understand, you understand the difference? This wasn't a gimme, gimme, mine, mine, me, 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 me. This was to save a nation. Does that, does that make it, you understand? See, sometimes we, us faith guys, us word guys, your pastor and, and, and Brother Copeland and Brother Hagen and all those guys, all my friends and you know, all those guys and me, you know, when, when we preach this stuff, we're, we're talking about helping humanity. You know, Brother Copeland said so many, many, many years ago, I don't think I've ever heard, I've heard him say this probably in 30 years, maybe he still does, but I remember him here saying it about 35 years ago, maybe 40 years ago now, and, and I'll never forget it as long as I live. He's, he made this statement. He said, prosperity is the ability to use the ability of God to help humanity. Well, see, that's an awesome definition. That's a powerful statement. Prosperity is the ability to use the ability of God for you to be helping people. But see, we've turned it into a me, 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 mine, 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 mine. I've got ten pair of shoes and I want ten more. I've got three cars and I want four more. I want a bigger house. I want a bigger this. I want a bigger that. You know, we've turned it into a, to a gimme, 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 gimme. Mine, 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 mine. Me, 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 me. That's not what prosperity is about. You know, we need to know where our needs end and our greeds begin, don't we? Well, y'all aren't excited about that as you were about the drought. I said, we need to know where our needs end. And our greeds begin. You know, I can go down to a mall and walk all the way through a mall, wonderful malls, beautiful malls, marvelous malls. I can walk in one ear and out the other and, and just be amazed at all the stuff they've got in there that I don't need. It's amazing. Yet it talks to me. I walk through there and they say, it says, buy me, buy me, buy me, buy four of me, buy a green one, buy a red one, buy me, buy... And, and you know, it's fine to get what you need, but there's a point where you just don't need all that stuff after a while. How many cars can you drive? How many houses can you live in? I mean, you know, are, are y'all here? There's a, there's a point where, you know, we're, we're living in a day-to-day where, where we, know the, we know the price of everything and the value of nothing. You know, a lot of, a lot of, even a lot of the guys that are preaching prosperity today, it's not really prosperity. Pastor and I were talking about this earlier. It's not, they're not really preaching prosperity. They're preaching materialism. And there's a difference in prosperity in materialism. And that's what I'm talking about that when we pray, you know, even in our offerings, you know, so many times in our offerings, uh, we don't even talk about how we can give and bless God. We're talking about, okay, you, you can give and God will bless your seed and make you rich. Well, that may be a, 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 that may be a biblical truth in there, but that's not the point of your giving. The point of your tithing, the point of your giving is you love God, isn't it? Or it used to be. See, I, I'd give to God. I don't know about you, but I'd give to God even if he didn't bless me back. In fact, I used to do that. When I was a kid, I paid my tithes and I gave to God because I loved him. Never dreamed he'd give me anything back. And when I found out, you know, when he'd give me something back, I thought, well, that's cool. What a deal that is. But that's not my motivation for giving. That shouldn't be our motivation for praying. That shouldn't be our motivation for anything. We ought to be, we ought to be helping people. That's what the ministry is about. That's what Christianity is about. That's what Jesus is about, is helping people. Amen? You know, I was preaching in a Mexican town in the state of Hidalgo back in 1976, I guess it was. I was 26 years old. And uh, 
friend of mine, a missionary we was talking about today at lunch, Wayne Myers, a very dear friend of mine. He's 89 years old today, still in Mexico, still going strong. And, uh, and Brother Myers called me, and he said, Terry, I want you to go up to Tepepulco in, um, in Hidalgo, and I want you to preach at a church up there. They need a lot of help. And he said, I want you to preach. I want you to preach for two solid weeks. Just, just keep preaching and preaching and preaching and pushing through till you get through some stuff up there. They, they need some help. So I said, all right, great. So I went up there, got there on a Sunday night, preached him a message on Sunday night about uh, them being kings and priests unto God. The Bible says you're a king and you're a priest. And then talked to him about Ecclesiastes tells us that where the word of a king is, there's power. And that Job says, decree a thing, and it'll be established unto you. And I said, now where there's kings and priests, that your word's with power, you're a king of God, your word's with power, and what you decree will be established unto you. And I just started this two-week deal on them being kings and priests and who they are in Christ and all this kind of stuff. And I mean, they just sat there, just miserable, just sat there miserable. And about 400 of them in this church, and, and I preached, and I, I wasn't getting any response at all. In fact, they're kind of like you guys are tonight. <laughs> well, they, they were worse, but I mean, I, I, wasn't getting, I wasn't getting any response from them. I'm getting some from y'all. I wasn't getting any from them. I mean, I wasn't getting an amen. I wasn't getting a hallelujah. I wasn't even getting a hallelujah. I mean, a, a sweet little hallelujah. I, I wasn't getting anything from them. They looked like they were at a funeral, man. I mean, just down and slumped over and bent over. And I'm like, what's wrong with these people? And so I finally got through my message, you know, and called him up for prayer. Had a prayer line, called him up. People came up for prayer. I went up and laid hands on the first one. And I thought, uh-oh. Brother Hagin used to talk about laying empty hands on empty heads, you know, and I thought. <laughs> and I mean, nothing's happening. And I'm not used to nothing happening. I'm used to something happening. I'm used to, man, I'm used to God showing up. And I prayed for these people and nothing, 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 nothing. And so service was over and. And I'm staying at the pastor's house. And so I went to the pastor's house, and we're sitting there eating. And I said, Pastor, what's, what's wrong with your people? What's the problem? What's the deal? And he said, Brother Terry, I'm sorry. He said, I apologize. He said, I, I shouldn't have had you come. He said, this is really, really a bad time. I should have canceled these meetings. And, uh, and I said, well, why? what's going on? He said, well, he said, he said this town is, a, is an automotive town. He said, it's kind of like Detroit is in in the states, it's, it, 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 we build automobiles here, and, and 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 even railway cars, and even subway cars, and and uh, he said this is a real mechanical in town, and and he said uh, he said a lot of people work at this this particular plant in town. Uh, that's the that's the Dina Corporation, D I N A, which is a subsidiary of the old International Harvester, and uh, y'all remember the old International Harvesters and. and you know, well, that's a subsidiary of, 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 of International Harvester. It's called Dina in Mexico. And, uh, and he said, and they're, they're closing down this week. The factory's closing down this week, Wednesday morning, 9 o'clock, and people are going to be out of their job. People, it's going to devastate the, this town and the next town over. And uh, he said, it's just really, really, really bad, and people are really upset and depressed, and people don't know what to do. And I said, well, is it a strike or a, or, a, or a layoff or an arbitrary situation or something like that? He said, no, 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 it's, it's a done deal. He said, they're, they're locking the doors. He said, the president of Mexico has already been up and made speeches. And he said, the corporate heads have already been in and made speeches. And, and it, it, you know, and it, it's just a done deal. Wednesday morning, 9 o'clock, they're locking the door. And he said, that's what's wrong with everybody. And I really shouldn't. He said, I, I, I don't think our meeting is going to be any good. You know. And so Monday night, I went into church and... They came back, all 400 of them. I don't know why. 
I have no idea why they came back, but they did. And I mean, they just sat there like this at a funeral, just miserable. And I preached and preached and preached and nothing, man, not amen, not hallelujah, not hallelujah, nothing, not a, not a glory of the oath, not nothing. And so I stopped finally in the middle of my sermon and I said, hey, everybody look up here, look at me, listen to me. I said, uh, uh, pastor tells me that there's a plan in town that's closing down Wednesday morning, nine o'clock, and that that's what you guys are sad about and upset about. And there, they gave me a little acknowledgement there. And I said, here, this is very important. I need to know this. I said, how many of you, if that factory closes Wednesday morning, how many of you will it affect directly? I mean, you work there, or your husband works there, or your dad works there, or your brother works there. In those days, no women would have worked there. Uh, it, it, you, you, who, it, it would directly affect you if the plant closes. Let me see your hand. And I mean almost the whole church raised their hand. Just a huge amount of people raised their hand. And I said, all right, now listen to me. Listen to me. I preached to you last night that where the word of a king is, there's power. I preached to you last night that you decree a thing and it'll be established unto you. I preached to you last night that you're kings and priests, that God hath made, already made us kings and priests unto his father. And we're kings and we're priests. And I said, and that applies to me too. I'm a king and I'm a priest and my words are with power and I decree a thing and it's established unto me. And I said, listen to me, I know that President Echeverria has already been up here and made speeches. Boy, that guy was a devil. And I know that the, 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 the plant, uh, the corporate heads have made speeches and I know that the plant's set to close Wednesday morning at 9 o'clock. I understand everybody says it's closing, but I said, listen to me, I'm a king and a priest unto God and I decree to you as an apostle of God in the office that God's called me to that that plant will not close Wednesday morning at 9 o'clock nor thereafter. And if it does, you can tell everybody in these two towns, in Tepiapulco and Ciudad Sagun, that the God of Terry Mize is a liar, and I'm a false prophet, I'm not a man of God, and you don't ever have to listen to me again. In fact, if it closes Wednesday morning, I will pack my bags and leave town, and I will not be here Wednesday night because I'm a false prophet, and you should never, ever listen to me again, and I'll never come back to this town again. They didn't say a word. There wasn't a hallelujah in the bunch. And so I finished my sermon. No response. I called folks up for prayer, laid empty hands on empty heads. Nothing <laughs> happened. Tuesday night, I don't know why, but they came back, all 400 of them. Sat there miserable through the whole service. Heads down, slumped. I preached a word, stopped in the middle of the word, he said, listen to me, look up here. I told you last night, and so I want to repeat it tonight. As a man of God, in the name of Jesus, in the office of God that God's called me to as an apostle of God, I decree that plant, Dina plant, tomorrow morning will not close at 9 o'clock tomorrow morning, nor thereafter. And if it does, you can tell everybody in these two cities, the God of Terry Mize is a liar, but it won't close, and I'm going to be here preaching tomorrow night, and so on and so forth. They just sit there. I finished my sermon. Called up folks for prayer. They came. I laid empty hands on empty heads. Nothing happened. But Wednesday morning, the plant didn't close. And Wednesday night, we had us some church. Man, we had us some church. And there wasn't just 400 there, man. I mean, that thing was jam, cram, packed. 
people in every pew, people sitting in the aisles, people standing around the walls, windows open, people standing outside 10 and 12 deep looking in the windows. And I mean for two weeks, we had us some serious church. And we had six children that were deaf and mute, completely healed by the power of God. We had a little girl that died. We raised her from the dead. We had uh, a lady had a huge gorder right in the center of her chest. And I reached over one night and cursed that thing and grabbed it, and it fell off. God healed her. There's a man there with a stroke, and God healed him. Uh, uh, blind people were healed. Deaf people were healed. I mean, we had marvelous, marvelous miracles. The pastor himself, his name was Josue or Joshua, Josue Nogueta. And, and, and Pastor Joshua had just had surgery before I got there, and he had a tube coming out his body and wore a plastic bag. And, and the doctors told him for the rest of his life that he could only eat uh, vegetables, no meat, vegetables boiled up and no spices of any kind, no salt, no pepper, ni chili, ni salsa, ni picante, ni nada de eso. And... and <laughs> And to a Mexican, that's a death sentence, man. I mean, that's just... And I sit there and watch him eat that stuff night after night. His wife had fixing those boiled vegetables, you know, and she'd boil them up. And that's the day before blenders and Cuisinarts and all that. So she'd mash it all up just, just like baby food, you know, and he'd sit there and eat that stuff for the rest of his life. And one night during those two weeks of meetings, toward the end of the meetings, I turned to him one night and I said, Pastor, I decree to you as a man of God in the name of Jesus, you're healed by the stripes of Jesus. You eat anything you want. He went out that night and ate barbecued goat and was completely healed by the power of God and healed the rest of his life. And, and, and you know, we just had miracles and miracles and salvations and miracles. I mean, it was, it was wonderful, wonderful, marvelous. But see, again, I'm doing something for the good of the... The good of the town. Isn't that right? And uh, it bothered me though, Pastor. It bothered me when I left there because I heard myself say, it won't close Wednesday morning nor thereafter. And I couldn't, I just couldn't put a, I couldn't put a, I couldn't pin down in my own spirit, what does that mean? What does thereafter mean? Mean that bothered me. I didn't have a problem with Wednesday morning. I, I knew I could, I knew I could pull that off in the name of Jesus. But I didn't know. I just thought, what is a fair, honest time frame that gets God and me off the hook? What does thereafter mean? And so I just, I prayed about it. Now, it bothered me. And so finally, I just came with my own spirit. I thought, well, ten years, ten years ought to be, that ought to be honorable. That ought to, that ought to. I mean, surely 10 years, that's an honorable time. I mean, you know, three days wouldn't be too good. And so I just set my faith, all right, 10 years. And so I checked on that plan every year. That was 1976. I checked on it until 1986. And it was still going, blowing, and doing good. So I quit checking on it, just quit. Hadn't thought about it in years. I mean, I thought about it because I've told the testimony, but I hadn't thought any more about it. We didn't know if it was still open, didn't know what was going on. And... Uh, a few years ago, I was in Mexico City, and I was ministering to the church, and I told that story, and uh, probably about five or six years ago, and I told, or maybe seven or eight years ago, I don't know what it was, and I told that story, and uh, a guy came up to me after service, who I've, I've known for a long time. I didn't know what he did for a living, but I've seen him in that church. He's going to talk to me before, and he came, he said, Brother Terry, he said, uh, he said I'm, a, I'm a salesman. I'm a traveling salesman. I sell parts to that plant in Tepepulco. And he said, uh, that plant's still open today and still still going today. And he said, and I've heard that story, but I never knew it was you. He said, I, I never knew. He said, I, people in town talk about it. 
But he said, uh, I've just, uh, I've heard it for years, but I never knew that was you. And he said, I want you to know that that plant's still going today. And then, and then four years ago, I was in, I was in Mexico and I was preaching over on the West Coast in, in, uh, uh, Puerto Vallarta. And, uh, I had done a pastor's conference and then I, then I did a Sunday morning service. And as I, as I got in service that morning or drove up to the church that morning for service, I noticed there was a church van in the parking lot that had the, the name of a church on it, uh, from Tepepulco which is really no, no big deal in the States. We see church vans from all over everywhere in the States, but that's really unusual in Mexico because this is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles away because Tepepulco Hidalgo is up north of Mexico City near Puerto Vallarta is over on the, on the far west coast in, uh, in Jalisco. And, and so uh, I thought, well, that's weird to see a church van from Tepepulco. And so whenever I got in church that Sunday morning, they introduced me to preach. The first thing I did when I stood in the pulpit, I said, before I start this morning, I said, I just want to ask a question. I, I saw a church van in the parking lot that said it's from Tepepulco Hidalgo. And I said, I just want to know who, who drove that van here? Who's here from Tepepulco? And over here on my left-hand side, about 15 people stood up. Boy, they're all clapping and cheering and doing all kinds of stuff. And I said, you, you guys are from Tepepulco? And they said, yes, yes, yes. And I said, well, well, I said, listen, uh, and, I, and I, I named the number of years, what it was 29 years ago, what it was. Anyway, 1976. I said, uh, I, I preached in Tepepulco for a pastor who's, who's in heaven today by the name of Josue Noguera. And I said, and, and man, we had miracles. We had six children, deaf, mute, and we had, we had you know, all these things happen and so on and so forth. And I said, do y'all, do y'all know that church? And they all start shouting and clapping. That's our church. That's our church. Said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, and, I, and so the little lady that was right in front of the group, she was, like, she was about 300 years old, you know, and, and uh, she, she had her, had her, had her rebozo on and she was all bent over like this. And she, she lifted her hand like this and she said, Hermano Terry, you know, and I said, yes, sister, what is it? And she said, I'm, I'm Sister Noguera. I'm Josue's widow. And I said, Sister Noguera, I've slept in your home, and you've cooked for me. It's wonderful to see you. She said, yes, yes, and we want you to come back. And I said, well, wait a minute, before you, before you sit down. I said, I love it when people are here in service that, that can verify what I'm talking about. It's great that somebody can tell whether this is true or not. And I said, before you sit down, I want you to tell these people. And I started through some of those testimonies. And I said, tell them whether this is true or not. That when I was there, we had six children that were deaf. Yes, yes, we had a girl raised from the dead. Yes, yes, we had, your, your, your niece was there. I remember she had epileptic seizures all of her life and I prayed for her. She never had another seizure again. And yes, that's true. I said, has she had them since No, no, she's completely healed. And you know, I just went through all these, and then I got to the part about the Dina plant not closing down. I got to the part about her husband eating barbecued goat and being here, you know, and she, you know, miracles and miracles and miracles and miracles. And I, I don't know about you, I like Mary. In fact, I was so surprised. Is Chuck and Becky Smith here again tonight? They told me this morning they probably weren't going to be back. I was so mad at myself after service this morning. Jan, you, you would know this is true. I, I, I got up this morning and I told you that years ago I was preaching in Visalia and, and there's a guy back at a sound booth and he went out and found a blind guy on the street and he, came, he brought the blind guy in with his white cane and his sunglasses and got healed. Chuck was the pastor of that church and if I'd have been, I thought this afternoon, why didn't that, that, that didn't click in my brain? I was preaching for him. He could have stood up today and verified whether that was true or not. It made me so mad that I thought afterwards, I thought, oh, no, Ben, Chuck and Becky were here. And they could have, they could have stood up and said, yeah, that, that, that was our church. That, that really didn't happen. But that, I love it when people are there that can verify whether something really, you know, really happened or not. But see, we're going to have to get back in authority. Jesus gave us authority. He gave us dominion. And, you know, I'm not telling you that 
You know, I've never done that with a Super Bowl game. I've never stood up and said, I decree as a man of God in the name, you know. Because you care about it, but this doesn't really matter to, you know, the world. Nobody's going to die over it. You see what I'm talking to you about? But seeing that situation with, 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 that, with that town, those two towns, that, that automobile plant, you know, just we're going to have to go back to authority that God's given us and understand how we can decree a thing and it'll be established unto us. I was in, the Spirit of God spoke to me, literally spoke to me in the summer of 2003 and said to me, I want you to go to Haiti and change history. Well, I don't like to go to Haiti. Just personally between me and you, I've been there and, and, and just really got irritated years and years and years and years ago at the, at the devil and the church about some things that were going on there. And I just, I just thought, you know, everybody and their dog goes to Haiti. There's more, there's more missionaries in Haiti per capita than any other place on the nation. And there's more missionary dollars been spent in Haiti per capita than any other place on the planet with seemingly, and I don't mistake what I'm saying to you, with seemingly little results. I didn't say with no results. There are pastors there and missionaries there that have given their lives and they've, they've, they've done some things and God's done some things and I'm delighted. I'm talking about per capita, percentage-wise, per dollar spent, missionary dollars spent, and per time spent and effort spent, uh, per capita, it's just, it's just hasn't yielded the results that it ought to have yielded. And Haiti's just a little bitty place. Man, it's just a third, it's just a third of an island. It's not even a whole island. It's not even a half of an island. Dominican Republic takes two-thirds of the island. And then Haiti takes a third of the island. And there's eight million people there. I mean, we should have won eight million people a long, 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 long time ago. In fact, I can remember many years ago, Mike, I actually contacted Rama, who were dear friends of mine, the Hagans, and I contacted Sister Lindsay at Christ for the Nation, who was a dear friend of mine, and I said, y'all give me, y'all give me one other crusadesman, not very many people are crusadesmen, but somebody that can preach a crusade, not just teach a message, but preach a crusade. I said, give me a crusadesman, and I'll go and give me some Rhema students and give me some, some CFNI students and we'll start, there's only two major cities in Haiti. Let's start at Port-au-Prince down here and let's start at Cap Haitian up here and we'll just have crusades and move in and have crusades and move in and have crusades and meet at the middle and just take the place. I mean, it just irritates me that we haven't, that we haven't got the thing done. And so, so I just quit going. I just said, I'm... and so the Spirit of God spoke to me in 2003. He said, I want you to go to Haiti. And change history. And, and that, that irritated me. It just, you know, I said. And so that was, that was during Aristide's reign of terror. A bunch of thugs running the nation. And Aristide, uh, President Aristide had all these thugs. They just roamed the nation. Little bitty place, you know. But I mean, they just roam, you know, and they'd kill people and beat people up. Just always beating people. And they especially targeted preachers. They were killing preachers. In fact, in fact, just the two weeks before I got there, two preachers had been murdered in the very room in the very bed I stayed in and slept in. Uh, they had broken in and, and, and murdered two, tortured and beat up and then murdered two, two preachers. And, uh, and, and so, um, so I took my, my two boys with me, my two sons and my son-in-law. Three, three boys, I took them to Haiti with me, and, and, and got over there and did a pastor's conference. And it was real dangerous. A guy got in and shot at us and or shot at me, and, 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 you know, crazy things were happening, and, and it was real tight and real tough. And, and I was preaching some pretty straight stuff on spiritual authority. And, and, uh, and, and you have to understand, I don't go into the long history 
of Haiti, but y'all, y'all understand the history of Haiti, and you understand the history of the Caribbean. All, all the whole Caribbean, you know, were, were just islands originally with indigenous people on them, and then European settlers came over, or European conquistadors came over from different uh, nations, from Holland, from Spain, from, from England, from France, you know, from Italy, came and, and, and settled or conquered these, these islands and then killed the indigenous people and then went to Africa and bought slaves and brought them and ensconced the slaves on the islands and then put them working sugar cane. Y'all, y'all do understand the, the history of, of the Caribbean. And that's why they all speak these different languages because some of them were British, some of them were, were, were Dutch, some of them were, were, were French, some of them were Spanish, and so on and so on. That's why you go to the Caribbean today. You go to Aruba and they still speak Dutch there today. In fact, they're still a Dutch colony today. They never have one gotten their independence. And, and you go to all these. And so most of them over the years have been given their independence. Some of them still don't, don't have their independence. And so, so Haiti was one of those nations. It was a French colony. And the French were hard taskmasters. And so the slaves uh, decided back in the late 1700s, they said, you know, we, we, we want our freedom. Everybody wants their freedom. Slavery is ungodly, unjust, uh, and, and, and they wanted their freedom. And so they got together and they appointed a guy that was a voodoo priest uh, as the leader, and he said to them and convinced them, if we, will, if we will go in league with the devil, if we'll go in league with Satan and, and dedicate this land to the devil, then he'll beat France, and we'll win our independence. And so they said, well, sure, why not? And so they did. And sure enough, they won their independence. I mean, here this little tiny, tiny third of an island beat the, beat the French navies and, and, and won, their, won their independence. And so voodoo has always been the national religion of Haiti, even though it was never legal. Now, Aristide actually made it legal. Aristide actually made uh, voodoo equal to a Baptist preacher or a Pentecostal preacher or a Catholic priest or, or anybody else where, where voodoo's legal and a voodoo priest is legal and they can do anything anybody else can do and so on and so forth. But, I mean, it's always been uh, demonic and always been devilish. Now, a lot of people from Haiti don't even know that. A lot of people from Haiti, I mean, if you go to Port-au-Prince and talk to some businessman that works at a bank, he'll say, wow, there's no voodoo in this country. I don't know what you're talking about. But, you know, let me take him out and some villages and show him, you know, I can show him some, show him some guys that go and steal little little four-year-old girls because she's still a virgin by that age and cut her heart out and offer it up to the devil and, and so on and so on. I, I can show you some real stuff in some real places. But anyway, that being said, every, every hundred years, starting in 1804, they won their independence in, in 1793 or 6, I forget what it is, and in 1804 was the official independence and so in 1804, they actually had this big voodoo ceremony that, uh, where they dedicated the nation to the devil. And then they decided, we'll do this every hundred years. So every century on the fourth year of the century, they repeated this ceremony and dedicated the nation to the devil again. And so here we, you know, they'd done it in 1804, then they did it in 1904, and here we were in coming up on January the 1st of 2004, they were going to do it again. And President Aristide had already invited 200 witch doctors and voodoo priests from several different African nations to come in the late December and then have this big ceremony January the 1st, so on and so forth. Y'all remember Pat Robinson made a statement similar to this on television uh, after the earthquake uh, in 2010, the horrible, terrible earthquake that killed half a million people, just 
half a million people went into attorney. Pat Robinson got up and said some similar things to this and was just crucified by the media in, in Hollywood. Bottom line is what, what Pat said was true. He just, the timing was bad, and you don't want to say some things like that because that, the media is always going to crucify you or something. But anyway, uh, that's neither here nor there. But, but I was there in the summer of 2003, knowing that this ceremony was coming up. And so I preached to these preachers all week long, spiritual authority. You've got to take authority in this nation. You've got to stop this. You've, you cannot let this ceremony take place. You cannot let this thing be dedicated to the devil one more time. You've got to plant a flag for King Jesus. You've got to stand up and decree and declare that Jesus is Lord over this island, that Jesus is Lord over Haiti. The word of God prevails over Haiti. And, and I'm preaching this all week. And finally one day, one night I was preaching to him, and I heard myself say, in fact, I decree to you as a man of God in the name of Jesus as in the office of apostle that God's called me to that that ceremony will not take place January the 1st. It will not take place. It will not happen. This nation will not be dedicated to the devil again. And in fact, I decree to you in the name of Jesus that President Aristide will be out of office and out of this nation. And if that doesn't happen, then I'm not a man of God and I'm a false prophet and you don't ever have to listen to me again. Well, those pastors, man, they sit there and looked at me like I was from another planet. They rolled their eyes back in their head and thought, this guy is off his rocker. And I don't blame them. And so I left. We preached and I left. And that's July. Well, when January the 1st came around, the ceremony didn't take place. I started getting emails and phone calls from Haitian pastors saying, Brother Terry, it didn't happen. Brother Terry, they canceled it. Brother Terry, they're, they're not having the ceremony. And then February the 29th, President Aristide fled his office and fled the nation for Africa and never came back again until this last year. It's the first time he's ever come back for a visit. So all of a sudden those pastors started calling and saying, hey, Brother Terry, you ran Aristide off and you, you stopped the ceremony, come back and do... And, you know, so I had carte blanche to go do, you know, whatever I wanted to do. But see, we're going to have to go back. In a, the, the church is in authority. Do we get that, that the church is in authority? That, that Matthew 10, 1... Luke 10, 19, that we've got authority, we've got dominion, that dominion belongs to us, authority belongs to us, power belongs to us. Now, you know, if we just sit on it and don't do anything with it and just keep rolling along like we've been rolling, it just it, nothing happens and people think, well, the church is a joke and the church is weak and the church is... You know, I've learned over the years, and this is just something I've observed, you can take it or leave it, but I've observed throughout history and over the years that as goes the church in any nation, as goes the church, goes the nation. If the church in a nation is, 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 is doing well and blessed, man, the nation is too. If the church is kind of weak and sickly and not doing so good, then the nation is too. And I, I submit to you that America is not doing too good because the church hadn't done so well. You know... And Pastor and I were talking about this today, and I don't know what the answer to it is, but, but you, know, you know, in the old days, we used to have revivals in church. I mean, we'd have two-week revivals, three-week revivals, four-, five-, six-week revivals. I can remember some revivals when I was a kid for 15 weeks or so. I mean, we'd have church every night, including Saturday. We didn't take Saturday off. And nobody said, well, the kids have to go to school. They just brought the kids, and they slept wherever. And they all went to school and did well, including me. And uh, then in the, you know, the 80s and 90s, we went to these three-day seminars. Stopped revivals and started doing three-day seminars. And we'd do a three-day seminar on, on prosperity or on healing or on the gifts of the Spirit or on marriage or on whatever it was. We'd just do a three-day seminar. And those were great, wonderful, marvelous. But after a while, you know, pastors start saying, well, the people are kind of coming the first night and kind of coming the third night and they're not coming the middle night. 
And so they stopped doing the three-day seminars. And then pretty soon we stopped doing Sunday night meetings. You know, you're one of the few churches around that does a Sunday night meeting. And so here all over America now we're having Sunday morning church only. And frankly, the church can't make it on an hour a week. And the church has gone downhill. In America, do y'all live in the same America I live in? America's gone downhill. And you know, the church is going to have to get it back, and America's going to have to get it back. But you know, I, I really believe we're going to have to start go back to at least go back to a three day seminar every now and then. Just, I mean, just every now and then, we're going to have to get some church. I mean, I, I think the answer to this is that we need some church and some church and some more church, and we need pastors that are more scared of God than they are of the congregations. Amen. And some, some core people like you guys, I mean, you know, if you can come out to Sunday night meetings, I salute you for that. On the one hand, on the other hand, I think you should. But, <laughs> but you know, we, we just need to start making demand. Just making demand on the things of God. Making demand on the Spirit of God. Making demand on the Word of God. Can you imagine us coming in here for a three-day seminar on this, that, or the other, some powerful thing that we need in our life that we can, we can implement the Word of God and just, just get... Man, just get two or three, just get two or three services in a row, two or three nights in a row of just hearing the word of God, and just you know, sometimes you just need a little soaking. Sometimes you just need get that stuff you've been in all week off of you, and build up some resistance, <laughs> build up some antibodies, build up some some anointing. Isn't that right? You know, I remember the old healing meetings, and Mike, you certainly remember these days when. When uh, some of these old healing evangelists of, of the old days who had such these great miracles all the time, you know, a lot of times they, they would refuse. Even Brother Hagin even did that for in the first early days. Would refuse to pray for people the first several nights of a meeting. You know, they'd just say, "No, you have to have a you have to have a card or a button or something to prove you've been here two or three nights before we'll even pray for you." Because they just wanted the word to get in them and the word to get in them and the word to get in them. So then they had the capacity to receive from God. Does that make sense? Are y'all still with me? Yes. You know, I was in, uh, I was 25 years old preaching a crusade in Honduras uh, and had 25,000 people in the crowd. And I tell you, we were having miracles. This was 1975. And we were having miracles and miracles. I mean, God was falling. Heaven had been low and kissed the earth, and we'd get caught right in the middle of the smack. I mean, I, mean, I, I don't think I'd ever seen so many blind eyes open Deaf ears and the people run into the front all the time saying, I can see, I can see, I can hear, I can hear. Just wonderful, wonderful, marvelous miracles. And, and I'd pull some people out of wheelchairs and pull some people off deathbeds. And, and I mean, God had just was doing all these marvelous, marvelous things. It was just incredible. And then in the day I got to where I'd started, and, I, and I've just started doing this all the years since, subsequent to that, but I started doing what I called a faith clinic in the daytime. Because at night we're doing crusade, and seeing in crusades you've got sinners. And with sinners, you don't teach the Word. With sinners, you preach the Word. So you don't walk into an... You know, I may be an Indian. I may have a crowd of 100,000 Muslims and Hindus. Or I may have, you know, atheists or animists or Shintoists or Buddhists or whatever they are in whatever country I'm in. But, you know, you don't walk up to a crusade crowd like that and say, now open your Bibles, because they don't have Bibles. You don't say, turn to First Thessalonians, because I don't know what that is. And I'm going to give you the Rhema and the Logos. They don't know what that is. So you don't teach sinners, you preach to sinners, right? You announce to them the Word of God. You announce the good news. And then you have, have salvations and miracles. 
But, but, you know, years ago I thought, man, I've got to start teaching these people. They need to be taught the Word. So the ones that I was getting saved at night, then I'd tell them, hey, come in the morning and I'm going to do a faith clinic. I'm going to talk to you about the Word of God and teach it to you like a school teacher would teach school. And so, you know, that some, they'd come to that. And so this one particular morning I was teaching there in Honduras, and it was February of 1975, and it was hot. And so we'd have these meetings fairly early. And I remember one morning I'd taught on John 10.10. Jesus said, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to give you life and that more abundantly. And I I told him, you know, you can always know what's God and always know what's the devil because the devil's bad and God's good. And if it's killing, stealing, destroying, it's the devil. And if it's life and abundance, it's God. And, and, you know, sickness isn't of God and cancer isn't of God. And, you know, bad stuff isn't of God. And, you know, I'm just teaching them some basic stuff, starting there and going up. And so after I finished that message that morning and put the microphones away, and you couldn't stand off a long time because it's too hot, and so, uh, so I was putting the microphones away, and a, a, a little lady uh, came up on the platform behind me. She came on the platform behind me, and she said, Excuse me, Brother Terry, and I turned around, and this, this lady was expecting a baby. She's several months along, and, uh, and she was just crying, just in tears, almost hysterical and sobbing. And, and uh, I said, Dear sister, what's wrong? What's, what's the matter? And she said, Brother Terry, I, I need you to pray for me. She said, I've, uh, I, I haven't felt my baby move for many days now. And she said, and I'm in excruciating pain, and I'm bleeding profusely. And she said, uh, I've just come from the doctor's office, just now. And she said, the doctor examined me and said, my baby's dead. And he wants me to come back to go to the hospital so he can remove it from me. And I, and I stood back and looked at her, and I said, dear, dear sister, a dead baby on the inside of you is not life in abundance. It's killing. It's stealing. It's destroying. That's not God. That's not the will of God. That's not the plan of God. That's the devil. And I decree to you as a man of God in the name of Jesus, the office God's called me to, that your baby will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. I said, now you need to go back to the doctor and get examined again. Now, I never prayed for her. I never laid hands on her. I never touched her. I never prayed for her. And so she left. I didn't see her again for four days. Because we don't, we, in crusades, we don't have prayer lines. You know, in America, we, we, we somehow years ago got locked into, you know, prayer lines where we'll come up and, and we kind of have a certain way we do it. And you come up and stand in line and shoulder to shoulder, nobody touching anybody else, and some ushers behind you in case you fall. And, you know, and we just kind of have a thing we do, and that's all right. And, and laying on hands is good. Jesus said do it. Jesus said lay hands on the sick in the name of Jesus. I understand that. But that's just one method. There's lots of methods in the Bible of healing. You know, Jesus spit on some folks for healing. We could spit on folks for healing. We don't, but we could. Might not have much, much of a line if we did, but of course if they got healed, we would. And, and he made some mud one time, spit on it, and rubbed it on some blind eyes, and they were open. I, we could, you know, do mud. You know, they did, they did uh, uh, the shadow of Jesus, and later the shadow of Peter. Passing by them, they were healed. I guess we could have a bright light up here and have a shadow service. You know, we had, uh, they just touched the hem of his garment. Then they besought him that they might touch him, and as many as touched were made perfectly whole. So we see lots of methods in the Bible. You know, there's, a, there's anointing with oil, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. There's, a, you know, there's, there, Brother Hagin used to always say, by the laws of contact and transmission. How many times have you heard him say that? By the laws of contact and transmission. The contact of my head on your body and transmission. You know, and, and there's laws in the Bible. And, uh, and we see lots of law. We, we know that when they buried that one guy on, on Elisha's bones, that there was enough anointing in those bones that raised this guy 
from the dead. Then we know there's prayer cloths. We know in, in Acts chapter 19 that it says they brought handkerchiefs and aprons to the hands of the apostles. Said special miracles were wrought. But special miracles were wrought by the hands of the apostles. When, when those claws, those aprons, those, those handkerchiefs, those claws were taken from, from, uh, for whoever they were intended and given to them, it says the evil spirit departed and the sickness left. We're in healing school tonight, right? And, and, and so there's, there's, there's lots of methods of healing. Laying on hands is just one of them. And uh, then Jesus had those great crowds, huge crowds, and the Bible would say, and he healed them every one, or they were all healed, or he healed their sick. Well, you know, it never tells us how he did that. It never tells us the, the method he used. But being a crusadesman myself, I understand and know that he didn't lay hands on them because mathematically, you just can't lay hands on thousands of people. It's just mathematically, physically impossible. And I've had crowds as small as 10,000 people when I've done crusades, but I've had crowds as large as 100,000 people when I've done crusades, and you just can't lay hands on 10,000 people. You can't lay hands on 30,000 people. You can't lay hands on 100,000 people in, in any kind of reasonable fashion of time. I was doing a crusade in India one time, and I had 30,000 people in the crowd, and I had a couple of Bible school students with me, some guys I taught in Bible school, and they were over there, and they were all excited, and they were watching what I was doing. And, uh, and, and, and so one night they said, Brother Terry, we timed you tonight. And I said, what? And they said, we, we, we timed you. And they said, you had told us in Bible school that you didn't lay hands on people in, in crusades, that you just pray a mass prayer over everybody. And they, we didn't know if you'd really do that or not, but that's what you did tonight. And, uh, and we timed you. And they said, you prayed for, and I forget, they told me how many minutes I prayed, five or six, seven minutes that I'd prayed for people. And then they said, and then here's how many miracles happened. They'd counted all these several hundred miracles and blind eyes open and deaf ears and stuff. And they had records of all, they had written all that stuff down. And, and they said, and we figured out that if you had laid hands on people tonight, they said, if you just laid hands on them for, for uh, what was it, 30 seconds each, I think they said, then it'd take you like 10 hours for these 30,000 people. And they said, if you laid hands on them for a, for a minute and a half, 90 seconds, and they told me how many days that would take with no breaks for anybody. You know, and you just, you just can't sustain the anointing that long. You can't sustain you that long. I mean, you know, there's, there, how would you like to be the last guy in line <laughs> after several days of praying? And, and, and so in crusades, we pray what we call a, a mass prayer or a prayer for the masses, one prayer for everybody, and just let the Holy Ghost fall and heal people. And then we have people come up and tell us, what they're healed of. So in other words, we don't have a prayer line in crusades. We have a testimony line. Does that make sense? And the, the, probably why we get away with it is because we don't teach them any different. You know, they're sinners. They don't know any different. They had not been to church. And so nobody's ever taught them about laying on hands. So I sure not going to tell them. <laughs> I'm going to wait until they get in church and let the pastor tell them. I'm not going to tell them. Because if I teach that to them, that's what they're going to want. And they're going to do what? They're going to make demand for it. And if they make demand for it, then I'm going to have to do it because otherwise they're not going to receive it because they're making demand for this. See, it all goes back to spiritual authority, doesn't it? So if they're pulling for this and I don't do this, then they're not going to receive what I do, but yet there's not going to be time to do what they want me to do, and it's not going to work. So I never tell them. I just tell them. I teach them about 
mass prayers. Tonight I'm going to pray for you and, and right where you stand and the power of God's going to fall on you, the anointing of God's going to fall on you from your head to your feet and go throughout your body and throughout your bones and throughout you and heal you and cure you and make you well. And when you when that anointing goes in you, then you begin to do what you couldn't do. And if you couldn't see, I want you to see. If you couldn't hear in the name of Jesus, I want you to hear. If you couldn't bend over, bend over. If you couldn't jump, jump. If you couldn't move your arm, move it. If you, couldn't, if you had a tumor, check it. You know, do what you couldn't do. Do the impossible. And then come up here and tell me what God did. And so we just told him that night after night after night after night. And I'm sure I wasn't there, but we'll ask Jesus when we get to heaven. I, 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 don't, I wasn't there, but I'm sure that's what Jesus did because there's no way he could have laid hands on all those people. So I'm sure he simply spoke the word just like he did with the, in, in Romans uh, or in, uh, in, in, in Matthew chapter 8 with the Roman centurion's ser- uh, servant. The Bible says he spoke the word and the, ter- the centurion said, just speak the word only and my servant will be healed. So that's what we do. And I said all that to say this. I didn't see that lady for four days because uh, she didn't come up in the testimony line and I, didn't, I couldn't see her in that crowd of 25,000 people. And so uh, the fourth night after I had spoken to her, then I looked down in the testimony line and there was that woman. And I tell you, her face was just radiant and I knew something good had happened. And so I just couldn't hardly wait for her to get up and tell her testimony. And so several people came up before and they had been healed of blindness or deafness or this or that or the other or whatever. And finally this woman came up here. And she told the crowd that whole story. She said, I hadn't felt my baby move for days and I was bleeding profusely, excruciating pain. Went to the doctor. The doctor said, the baby's dead. And I came to Brother Terry. And she said, when Brother Terry prayed for me, and that's what she told that crowd, I never prayed for her. I never laid hands on her. I never prayed for her. I just simply said to her, I decree to you in the name of Jesus, your baby will live and not die. And so uh, she said, when Brother Terry prayed for me, she said, immediately the pain stopped. And she said, I left there and went to the doctor's office. And then route to the doctor's office, the bleeding stopped. And she said, when I got to my doctor's office and was waiting to see my doctor, the baby kicked me and began to move. And then the doctor examined me and said, everything's perfect. Well, now see, that's, that's, that's life in abundance. Amen? That's life in abundance. I was preaching a meeting in, Guadal- in uh, Guatemala uh, numbers of years ago. And uh, I, I had taken an American medical doctor with me. And, uh, in fact, you probably knew him, uh, Bobby Daniels in Broken Arrow. One of Bobby's, Bobby's gone all over the world now doing missions. He's about quit doctoring about and started doing crusades all over the world. But, but I took him on his first seven or eight missions trips. Took him and uh, Wally with me all over the world. And took him to, took him to uh, Guatemala with me. You remember Bob Lemon? Bob was working at uh, Sears and Roebuck at Woodland Hills Mall, selling tires and batteries. And uh, I went by and said, hey, I'm going to Guatemala. I think you ought to go with me. He quit his job, went to Guatemala with me, and worked with me for four months. And he went to work with Buddy Harrison, and the rest is history. You know, he's been a minister and still is all these many years later. But I, anyway, I took these guys and went to Guatemala. There was, a, there was a missionary down there. Jan, you'll remember Elam Stolfus. Elam's in heaven today, but Barbara is still there. In fact, she's on Facebook from the jungle, if you can imagine that. Back in those days, we used ham radio to talk to the, to the jungle of Guatemala, and, and it's still jungle and it's still primitive, but they've got Facebook, they've got Internet. Now, thank God they've got Internet. But uh, anyway, this missionary, Elam and Barbara Stolfus, Mennonite people uh, from, from Ohio or Pennsylvania, had come to the jungles of Guatemala, what they call the Paten, and uh, they had been ministering to tribes up and down this river. And so Elam uh, started just 
treating people medically even though he wasn't a doctor. See, when you're, when you're a missionary, they just treat you like a doctor. I mean, when you're a missionary, they just come to... I mean, I delivered my first baby in the jungles of Panama when I was 18 years old in 1968. And I didn't know where babies came from. <laughs> now, y'all stop and think with me. 1968... Now, I know on TV today, your kids can watch a baby being born. But I mean, back in 1968, uh, Lucy and Desi slept in separate beds in pajamas and leave it to Beaver and, you know, and then you had Doc and the Ponderosa and the Gunsmoke and y'all remember those days? That's all I knew. 1968, 18 years old, I didn't have a clue. And so they came to me one day and they said, they said, Brother Terry, come quick. This, this, this lady's having a baby. I said, well, congratulations. They said, no, no, you've got to come. I said, I don't got to come. And they said, no, no, you, 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 you've got to come. You've got to. Well, now, I'd seen this lady already come in from the field. She's carrying this big old log on her shoulder and waddling, you know, big pregnant. Now, this girl's only 13 years old. And she's wife number four or five of this guy. I mean, he's got several wives, and she's, she's the latest one. And, uh, and they said, you've got to come. I said, I, I don't got to come. They said, no, you've got to come help. And I went off down there. Not having a clue. And I walk into this, this hut in the jungle. And, uh, this little girl's just squatting on the floor. Just there, just squatting on the floor. And, uh, her husband's butchering a pig five feet away. And they said, you need to help her. And so I looked at her and she's squatting down. And I said, uh, I think you're supposed to lay down. And she said, and I said, okay, never mind. She was scared and I was scared. I said, never mind, just do whatever you want to do. So they came to me and they said, they said, what do we do? Now, I don't know if this was a test or what, because they'd been delivering babies, obviously, for hundreds of years, you know, in that tribe. And so they said, what do you want us to do? Well, I just said what Doc would have said, you know. I said, boil water. Seriously, you think I'm joking. I said, boil water. Well, that's what Doc said on Gunsmoke. <laughs> so they did. They boiled water. Brought me this big old thing of boiling water. They said, what do we do with this? I said, I don't have any idea. <laughs> Somehow I knew I was supposed to cut something, so I, I took my hunting knife that I'd been skinning monkeys with, you know, and I pitched it in that boiling water. I thought, that's got to help. And I delivered this little girl from this little girl and cut the cord and tied it off and all this kind of stuff. But I don't know how I got Oh, I was going to say they treat you like a doctor. So Elam has, been, Elam has been treating these people medically, even though he's not a doctor, but he's got this ham radio. And so the more serious medical stuff that comes to him, he was getting on ham radio and calling some doctors in America and saying, what do I do? And so he had five or six doctors around the States that would tell him what to do. And so when he asked me if I'd come preach, if I'd come minister, he said, by the way, do you know any doctors? And I said, yeah, I've got a doctor friend of mine here in town, Bobby Daniels. And he said, well, bring a doctor if you can. So, so I went over and asked Bobby, hey, you want to go do some jungle doctrine? And, and he said, yeah, sure. So, so we flew into Guatemala City and then, and, then, and, and, uh, and then hired a bush pilot and flew out to the jungle and landed and, 
and, and I'm a pilot, but I wouldn't want to land it where this guy landed. Man, I tell you what, these guys had just cleared a strip out with machetes, you know, and we flew down the river and then landed on this strip. He did a good job. And we hadn't even got the engine stopped yet. I mean, the prop's still going. And Elam runs out of the house, out of the, the, the he had built a little cinder block clinic. And he comes running out, and the, the prop's still going. We're still strapped in the plane. And, and he yelled at me, and I could, I could read his lips. I couldn't hear what he said. But he said, he said, did you bring the doctor? And so I pointed over my shoulder. Yeah, he's in the back seat. And he said, come quick. And so we jumped out of the, unstrapped and jumped out of the plane. The pilot hadn't shut the thing down. We jumped out. Hadn't, we didn't say hello or shake hands or hug necks or nothing. We ran straight into this building and, and ran into this situation where there was two babies laying on this table. And these babies were twins, a little boy, a little girl. And they were two years old and weighed nine pounds. And they were absolutely eaten up with parasites. Their bodies were skin and bone. Their little, old, their little old faces were so tight against their skulls, you could just see the outline of their skull. I mean, you, you know, two years old, nine pounds. And, uh, and yet their bellies were bloated and just had these parasites moving and undulating. You know, you could just see their bellies moving up and down because of all the parasites. And I, know, I know that sounds gross, but that's the world I live in. And so uh, as soon as we walked in there and saw that, they're just laying there like that. And, and, and Elam said to us, he said, he said, these babies are dying, and I don't know what to do. And Bobby looked at me and looked at those babies, and he said, Terry, what would you bring me down here for? He said, I need a, I need a hospital. I need a pediatric ward. I need, I need some stuff. And he went over there and started checking them out. And he said, there's not a thing to be done for these babies. He said, these babies will be dead in, uh, in two hours. He said, uh, he said, not only are they eat up with uh, parasites and, and malnutrition and, and, and all that, he said, but this little girl, and he took her foot like this and held it up, and he took a, a ballpoint pen and rubbed it across the bottom of her foot and got no response at all. He said, this little girl has a positive Babinski. I didn't know what that was. I had to find out. But he said, he said uh, she's brain damaged. There's, there's brain damage. And he said, he said, there's not a thing in the world we can, we can do for these babies. And, uh, and so I said, well, let's, let's pray. We've got to have a miracle. So we started praying for these babies. And uh, ministered life to them and health to them and, and uh, cursed those parasites. The Bible says power of life and death is in the tongues. So we spoke death to the parasites, life to the babies, that they'd live and not die in the name of Jesus and declare the works of the Lord. And then took that little baby girl's head and prayed healing for her brain and wholeness for her brain. And while we're praying for them, somebody said, come quick. And we hadn't even said hello to anybody yet, man. I mean, somebody said, come quick. We said, what? We turned around and walked into the other room, just a little two-room deal. And they had brought a little nine-year-old girl in that, that three days before she had been running and playing with the other kids in her village and somebody had either pushed her or bumped her one or the other, I don't know which, and she had fallen into a pot of boiling water from her fingertips to her shoulder on her left side. And so she is, she's got, I always forget which is the worst. Is it first or third? Third degree. She had third degree burns from her fingertips to her shoulder her little eyes are just glazed over she's burning up with fever and 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 besides all that this was three days old and so it's infected you know we're in the we're in the jungles we're in the tropics and so when you have things like that in the tropics and there's no no treatment or no help then you know the insects move in and set up housekeeping and have babies and i mean it was it was really really and Bobby again looked at me and he said, Oh my God, he said, What did you bring me down here for? Said, this this is this is this is not good. This is bad. And I said, Well well, but I don't I don't know what to do. I mean, let's 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 help her. He said, Terry, I can't. 
And I said, well, sure you can. He said, I, I can't help her. And I said, well, sure you can. You're a doctor. He said, no, no, you don't understand what I've got to do. He said, you understand I've got to remove all that skin. I have got to, from her fingers to her shoulder, I've got to remove all that. And he said, and I have no anesthetic, no pain medicine of any kind, and there's not a way in the world I'm going to do that. I can't. And I said, yes, you are. I said, you do what you know how to do, and I'll do what I know how to do. I'll take care of the anesthetic. You take care of her arm. And he said, well, what in the world does that mean? And I just reached down and picked her up and, and started carrying her around and just started praying in tongues over her, and she went to sleep. So I went over and laid her down on a table, and I laid my cheek down on her cheek and just began to pray in tongues, and she was just sleeping soundly. So I said, okay, go ahead and do what you need to do. And he cut on that little old girl for the longest, longest time. And she slept, never made a sound. Three times during that whole ordeal, my back was hurting so bad because I'm leaning over like this, that, and she was sound asleep. So I'd, I straightened up and stretched my back, and all three times, as soon as I took my cheek off her cheek, she began to scream and cry. And I just put my cheek back on her cheek again, and she just went back to sleep. He came back home telling everybody about Holy Ghost anesthetic. They'd never seen anything like that as a doctor, you know, in his life. And like I said, now he goes all over the world doing mission stuff and crusades and all kind of stuff like that. And... Uh, and, and, and then whenever we just got her cleaned up and he got her arm all clean and, 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 and bandaged and ointment and stuff and got her just done, somebody said, uh, what about the babies? We said, oh, the babies. We shouldn't said hello to anybody. I mean, you know, we just... And so we rushed back into the other room where these babies had been and they were sitting up on this table. Somebody had given them a cracker. They were eating a cracker. And there were parasites everywhere that had just come out of their bodies. I mean everywhere. It was nasty. We gathered up all those things, took them out and burned them, washed those babies, cleaned them up. The doctor examined them, and he said, these babies are healed, they're well, they're fine, they're going to they're gonna live. And he said, not only that, look at this. He picked that little girl's foot up and ran across and, and got the reaction he wanted. Those babies ended up, we adopted them out to some people in Guatemala City, the little boy's name is David. They named him David. He grew up, went to school, came back, and he's in that tribe today helping, helping his people. I mean, just tremendous, tremendous miracles of God. While we were there, y'all got time for this? Yes. While, while we were there, a little girl, a little girl, Pastor said, when we tell you experiences, and I, I mean, I could, I could go nonstop. Let me just tell you, well, what is it? It's, it's 8 o'clock. Um, let me tell you this. Well, this, this they brought this baby in. One night we were walking over to the crusade. I was preaching an open-air crusade at night. I was helping Bobby in the clinic during the day. I was interpreting for him and helping him and giving shots and giving worm medicine and giving stuff and doing all kind of stuff. And then in, in, in the afternoon, we'd go take a bath in the river and change clothes and go preach at the crusade. And so we had just taken our bath in the river and changed clothes and walking over to the crusade. And a couple intercepted us and had this little tiny, tiny, tiny baby girl in their hands. And and I could tell as they was walking up to as they were walking up to us, you could tell she was sick because you could tell she is a newborn, and yet she was she was laying out like this. I mean, she wasn't. I've never seen a newborn in my life that wasn't in the fetal position. Didn't have her arms and legs drawn up, and she just had her her legs and her arms just just and and and, and she was just just tiny. I mean, she's 16 days old, and so uh, they they came up to me and they said, "We heard there's a doctor here," and I said, "Well, yes, it's a doctor right here." 
And see, they'd come from several villages away because they, they had heard there's a doctor. I mean, they'll come forever if they, if they hear there's a doctor. And so uh, I said, yeah, this is the doctor right here. And so they, they, they immediately went with Bobby and just went back to the clinic. And I said, well, I'm going on over here, and you guys go do what you're going to do. And so while I'm preaching the, the crusade, the missionary that was there, Elam, came up to me and whispered in my ear while I'm preaching. He said, Terry, the doctor says the baby's going to die. There's nothing to be done for the baby. Uh, get the people to, to pray. And so I, I stopped and said to the people, I want, I, want, I want to pray. I didn't ask them to pray because, you know, they're not going to pray in faith. And so I said, we need to pray. There's a little girl over here at the clinic that needs to be healed. We need to watch our, our prayer requests sometime instead of saying there's a girl that's dying or, or my Aunt Susie's dying of cancer. You know, we need to, we need to watch what we say. And I said, you need, to, you need to pray and agree with me. I'm going to pray and you agree with me that this little girl needs to be healed over here. And so, so we started praying. And I said, Father, I, I decree as a man of God in the name of Jesus, in the office you've called me to, this baby will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. And I went on and preached my message. I prayed for people. They got saved. They got healed, miracles. And nobody would still come from the clinic. And so I went back over to the clinic to see what was going on. And Bobby's got this baby girl laying on the table. And he's leaning over like this and just sweating. I mean, you're in the tropics. We're in the jungle. And he's dripping sweat. And he looks worried and concerned. And, and he looked up at me whenever I walked in. He said, Terry, there's not anything I can do with this. He said, man, I need a... I need a hospital, I need a pediatrics ward, I need equipment, I need, I need stuff. And I said, I know, buddy, but we just don't have stuff. We just, we just don't have it. You know, what, we're, we're, I, what do we need? He said, well, we just need a, we need a miracle. You know, we need a miracle. He said, he said, man, I've done stuff to this baby that put me in jail for in the States. He said, I've done everything in the world I, I, I can to try to help her. And he said, there's just not anything can be done. And uh, so... We prayed and we prayed and we prayed, and uh, in a little bit, this baby died. He checked her, you know, and did all that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, she's dead. And uh, I scooped her up in my hands and held her up before God and started praying and praying and praying and praying and praying. Nothing happened, and I told God what the Bible said, and I told the devil what the Bible said, and I told her what the Bible said, and I'd hold her out here and say, Honey, I, you, you'll live and not die in the name of Jesus. I won't bury you. You, you hear me? You, you, you'll live and not die. And I'd carry her around. I'd talk to her, and I'd pray for her. And I told me what the Word said, and I told God what the Word said, and I told her, and I told the devil. And, and this went on and 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 went on. And finally, at 3 o'clock in the morning, I'd been going nine hours by this time. And... Uh, at 3 o'clock in the morning, Bobby said to me, he said, Terry, Terry. And he grabbed my arm and said, Terry. And I said, what? And he said, he said man, I'm, I'm concerned about you. He said, this has been going on for nine hours. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. And he said, you, you, you've prayed every prayer you know to pray. And, and I had, man. I, I mean, I'd, I'd done everything I knew to do. I, I remember Jesus, when he raised Lazarus, he cried with a loud voice, so I cried with a loud voice. When he raised Jairus' uh, daughter, he took her by the hand and said, Damsel, I say unto thee, arise. I took that good old tiny hand and I said, Damsel, I say unto thee, arise in the name of Jesus. And the widow's son from Nain, Jesus said, Young man, I say unto thee, arise. And he rose from the dead. I, 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 you know, he said, You know, you've prayed every prayer you know to pray. He said, You've done everything you know to do. He said, I did everything I could as a doctor. It didn't work. You've done everything you can as a missionary. It didn't work. Sometimes it just doesn't work. He said, You know, at least you got the parents saved a few hours ago. I mean, they're saved. That's something good happened out of this. But he said, now, 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 now put her down. He said, she's dead. You understand me? D-E-A-D, dead. She's dead. 
And he said, you need to put her down. Just put her here on the table. And he said, we'll, uh, let's go to bed. And we'll bury her in the morning. It'll be morning here in a little bit. We'll, we'll bury her. And I said, Bobby, you, you go to bed if you want to, but you leave me alone. I've got a job to do, and I'm not going to stop, and I'm not going to quit, and I'm not going to bury this baby. You leave me alone. And, uh, I mean, you know, we were sleeping in a tent on the river. I don't know what was so exciting about going to bed, you know. But <laughs> at least the tent had a zipper to keep the resident bugs in and the transient bugs out, you know. <clears throat> but, uh, and so I prayed for this baby. I'd hold her up before God. And I'd hold her out before me, and I'd carry her around, and I'd talk to her, and I'd tell her, I'm not going to bury you. You hear me? You'll live and not die. You'll declare the works of the Lord. You'll live and not die. And at 6 o'clock in the morning, three hours later, 12 hours of this, I, I said to the devil, Devil, you might as well quit and give up because I'm not going to. And you've caught me one time where I'm in authority, I'm in charge, I'm in the jungle. Nobody's going to make me quit. Nobody has authority but me. See, sometimes you, you, a spiritual authority is spread out in different directions sometimes. And sometimes you have it. And sometimes you don't. And then sometimes you don't, but you can get it. And sometimes you don't, but, and you can't get it. And you need to know the difference. You know when you can and when you can't. Isn't that right? There's just times that you, you, you're, you, you know. And see, if you stop and think about this thing, who had authority over the baby in the first place? Well, her parents. Well, they brought her to who? Not me. They didn't bring her to the man of God. They brought her to the doctor. They said, we heard there's a doctor here. See? And so they came and went right to the doctor. Nothing wrong with going to the doctor. Nothing wrong at all. It's just that they gave that authority to the doctor, didn't they? See? So I went on to preach. They went on over here. And then when the baby died, then the doctor releases his authority. The parents release their authority. Nobody's got authority. So I knew I could get it. So, man, I jumped in there and took it. But here I am just fighting. Now, I've had other people raised from the dead just, just that fast. God would say to me, Go raise that person from the dead or go tell them to get up. You know, and that the gift of faith. And I just go over there and just say, hey, God said get up. You know, and they did. But this was a 12-hour fight where God didn't tell me to do it. I just, it was just one of those times I just knew that if I, if, I, if I got in here and hung in here, I could get this done, that I was, I was in authority. I was in charge. And sometimes, like I said, sometimes you, you're not. And, uh, and I've been in those situations where I'm not. But, uh, but I was then. And so I said to them, you might as well give up and go on because I'm not going to quit I'm going to use the name of Jesus I'm going to use the word of God I'm going to stay here and I'm not going to bury this baby and I guess that rascal got discouraged because, because at that moment God raised her up raised her and, and, and healed her and that baby now is well that was 1979 what does that make her that was March of 79 so what is she 35 this year in March she'll be 35 is that right 34 anyway her name's Blanca. She's married. She has three children. She still serves God today. She serves God today. When she was a little girl, they'd take her through the villages and she'd sing songs about Jesus and they'd tell about how God raised her from the dead. And then now here she is, grown, married, got three kids and serves God. And, uh, you know, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Miracles. And miracles and miracles and miracles. Spiritual authority, dominion. Jesus gave us power over unclean spirits to cast them out. Over all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. I, I want to encourage you now. Let's, let's, let's just absolutely grab hold 
of Matthew 10.1 this year. Let's grab hold of Luke 10.19 that we've got authority. We've got dominion. That we have authority over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt us. Man, we're the church. The church triumphant. Amen? Amen? Well, I can tell stories to you all night. I mean, I've got a gazillion of them and I'm still getting them. But... Uh, Praise the Lord. Stand up with me if you would, please. It's 8.20. You have the right to go home at some point here. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. Father, thank you for your word tonight. I believe your word's gone into our heart. Father, I believe it's created faith. Gone into our ears, down into our heart. We'll release it out our mouth. Father, that we're the church, triumphant. The church. The church. That we've got authority, we've got dominion. And Father, I ask you to lead us and guide us and direct us. Show us where we have spiritual authority. Father, authority in our home, in our family, with our children, our grandchildren, in the city that we live in, in the areas that, we're, that, we're, uh, 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 that we apply ourselves to, that we have authority. Authority. Dominion. Then we've got authority over unclean spirits to cast them out. Authority to heal sickness and disease. Authority over the power of the enemy. And nothing, no thing, shall by any means hurt us. Thank you for the church walking in authority. Thank you for this great church and its people. Father, I believe you to absolutely write this on the tables of our heart tonight. The Holy Spirit, I ask you to bring it back with supernatural recall. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would bring all things to our remembrance that we've been taught. So I ask you, Father, that in the days and the weeks and the months and the years to come, that as the devil sticks his ugly head up, that that the Holy Spirit will bring back to our remembrance this word tonight. They'll hear my voice in their ears saying, saying, Who do you say Jesus is? What are you going to say about this? Take your authority. And they'll, they'll rise up in faith, rise up in authority, declare the word of God and see the salvation of the Lord. Thank you for it. Father, I pray blessings on this great place. Increase, blessing, abundance. I believe you to cause the blessings of God to be upon them, to overtake them, to follow them around. Father, that they're blessed in the city, in the field, in the basket, in the store, and all they put their hand to, that this church is blessed and increased that people come from east, west, north, and south. Father, that pastors able to stand and declare the word of God and lead the people into mighty exploits in the name of Jesus. That people can know there's a place, there's a house in town where they can get help and get healed and get delivered and get blessed in the name of Jesus. And I thank you for it. Thank you for it, Father. Thank you for it. We give you glory and praise, majesty and dominion in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. If you'll let me tonight, and I I hope you do, I'd love for you just to let me pray for you in a crusade-style prayer. Now, you know, if you sit on me and say, No, Brother Terry, that's not what I want you to do. I want you to lay hands on me. Then I'll do that. I'll go tonight since me going the other direction. But uh, I'd, I'd love for you just to hook up with me and the Holy Ghost. And let me pray a crusade prayer for you. 
And I love praying crusade prayers. I love praying mass prayers. And I like it for several reasons. Let me tell you why so you understand my thinking here. Number one, I've done it so many times for so many years. Me and the, me and the Holy Ghost are real comfortable with it. We understand it and know that it works. But, uh, but another thing is, in a, in a word church like this, a faith church like this, a good word to faith church, a lot of times if I call for a prayer line, if I say, all right, if you need prayer, come up and pray, uh, many people wouldn't come. They, they really need to. Simply because we're standing in faith or we're, we're believing God or we, we just think, well, I've been prayed before, I'm not going to do it again. Uh, and so a lot of times people don't come that, that, that could or should, or maybe they shouldn't, whatever, they don't come. Another reason is, another thing is, many people um, don't come because they're, uh, they're not even thinking about a particular thing in their body. Uh, you, you, may, you may have a pain that you're going to bed with and getting up with and going to bed with and getting up with that you don't even think about anymore. If somebody has a prayer line, you, you don't even come for that. You, you just don't think about it anymore. It's just kind of one of those things that you've learned to live with, and so you wouldn't come if I did give an altar call for it, a prayer, a prayer line for it. But yet God's thinking about it. And in a mass prayer, He can heal things that you're not, you're not even thinking about. You, you might be thinking about your nose and God heals your toes. And, uh, and I like that. I like the fact that God will fall on everybody. He'll get on everybody. Uh, and then another thing is just churches like this, you, you, you know, you, you've got healed people. You've got people that are healed and well and strong. Your pastor taught you healing and, and you've got these healing schools. And so, so there's just things that you don't, you don't, you, you, you're just, this isn't a crusade crowd. We don't have people in here on their deathbeds and, and, uh, and, and that sort of thing. But yet I know there's some problems out there. Or God wouldn't lead me to pray like this. I mean, I know there's some things you're battling or dealing with. I wish there wasn't, but obviously there are. Uh, so, or I wouldn't pray like this. So if you let me pray for you, just, just where you are, if you'll pull on that, make a demand on that, the Holy Ghost will fall on us tonight and do some miracles and some healings that, uh, that, that might not otherwise, might not otherwise happen. Does that make sense to you? Does it? Praise the Lord. Good, 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 good. Because I want to I just pray for you right where you are and just let the Holy Ghost fall on you. And we know the other methods are great. We know laying on hands is great and wonderful, and Jesus told us to do it. I have nothing against it. I'm totally for it. I've been known to lay hands on people myself. But, uh, but I'd love to pray the other way for you tonight if, I can, if we can just get our faith together for that. Thank you, Father. Y'all going to let me do that? All right, well, just pull on it when I pray. Just pull on God while I pray and, and let that anointing go into you. And you may well feel it tangibly. I know we teach a lot, as faith guys do, we teach a lot about we don't go by feelings, and that's very true, but yet it sure is nice to feel something sometime. And so the, you may very well feel that tangible anointing come on you. And, 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 and when you do, when I pray for you, just go ahead and give in to it and go ahead and receive it. And then you need to do the impossible. I mean, if you couldn't, if you couldn't lift your arm, lift it. If you couldn't do something, do it. I mean, move, move in faith. After I get through praying for you, then I'm going I'm to pray for you. Then I'm going to tell you to, then I'm going to talk to your body. I'm going to talk to the devil. I'm going to talk to the sickness. I'm going to talk to you. And then I'm going to, then I'm going to tell you to lift your hands and praise God because we always want to thank Him. We always want to thank Him. And, and at that point, you just need to check yourself. I mean, if you couldn't see good, See good. You may have been believing God for your for your eyesight or on your glasses or whatever. You may have been believing. People tell me that all the time. And uh, uh, tonight could be the night your manifestation catch up with your confession. You've been confessing for a healing, confessing for a healing. That's the right thing to do. You've been believing for a healing. That's the right thing to do. And tonight uh, be the night your manifestation catch up with it. 
And so you just set your faith. And boy, I tell you, when he gets through praying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read some. Just make up your mind, you're going to read your Bible or you're going to look up here and read something or see something or do something or, or on your hearing or on your, on your bones or on your breathing or, or, or if you had a tumor or a lump of growth, whatever it is. You just decide, I'm going to do something. I'm going to check something out whenever, uh, whenever he gets through praying. Because that, that way you're putting action to your faith. Jesus always told everybody to go, go do the impossible. He said, go show yourself to the priest or go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam or take up your bed and walk. Or, you know, always tell people to do the impossible. And that's what, that's what you want to do after uh, a praying like this. All right? So just put one hand on yourself, everybody in here. Just put one hand on yourself. And then hold your other hand up to God. That's where your help comes from. And let's just, let's just pray in faith tonight. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come before you tonight in front of these precious people. Father, I've stood on so many crusade platforms around the world in front of precious people and called on you, the God of all flesh, to do what I could not do, to do healings and miracles and restoration and deliverance. And Father, you've done it every time, every time, every time, every time, every time, you've done it. And Father, tonight I stand on this platform in front of these precious people and call on you again, the God of all flesh, the God of miracles, the God of healing, the God that thought up miracles. You invented healing. And Father, I call on you tonight to do what I cannot do, to do healings, miracles, cures, deliverance, restoration tonight in the name of Jesus. Lord, that you affect bones tonight, that you affect the marrow tonight, that you affect the the nerves and the tendons and the muscles and the organs, Father, in every part of our body, that the anointing of God flows through us and heals us in Jesus' name. Now, Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, fall on this congregation right now the very tangible anointing of the Holy Ghost of Acts, fall right now, fall right now, fall right now from the crown of our head to the soles of our feet, throughout our body, throughout our blood, throughout every system of our body, heal and cure and make well and make strong and make whole to the glory of God. The anointing of the Holy Ghost of Acts destroy the yoke of bondage, destroy cancer, Destroy AIDS and HIV. Destroy, destroy, destroy whatever is not of God in this place tonight. Destroy the yoke of bondage in Jesus' name. Father, I curse every cancer. I curse every disease by whatever name medical science may have placed on it. I curse it tonight and command it to wither and die to its very life source. As Jesus cursed the fig tree and it dried up from its roots, I curse disease tonight. Father, as the power of life and death is in the tongue, I speak death, death to disease, death to disease. You foul parasite, you'll no longer live in their body and, and drain life off of their body and exist off of their body. You die in the name of Jesus. And Father, by the same word of God, I speak life to the people of God, the Zoe life of God, life of God, to live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. Father, I decree creative miracles tonight, old accidents, old injuries, or surgeries, or whatever uh, might have happened. Recovery tonight from that. Make it as though it had never happened in the name of Jesus. Healing to the bones, healing to the to the joints. I curse arthritis, rheumatism, and all such uh, disease of the bones, and command the joints to be loose and not fused in Jesus' name. Be loose tonight. 
in Jesus' name. Father, healing to the organs. Healing to every heart and lungs and kidneys and pancreas tonight. Healing to every part of the body. Healing to the, to the, to the respiratory system tonight. Healing to the blood. Healing, Father. Healing in the eyes and the ears. Father, healing to the glory of God. The body you line up with the Word of God tonight and receive your miracle, receive your healing, be healed. Be healed in Jesus' name. Be healed right now from your head to your feet. Anointing of God cause healing to come. Healing to come in the name of Jesus. The body you line up with that, receive that. Receive that. Receive that. Be healed in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. The anointing. The anointing, the anointing, life, 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 health, wholeness, soundness. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Now, body, you line up with that. You come in line with the Word of God and be healed. Oh, now just lift, lift our hands to God and thank Him tonight. Thank you, Lord, for miracles. Thank you for healing. Thank you for restoration. Thank you for deliverance. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Lord, we receive miracles tonight. We receive, we receive healings tonight. All healing in the spine, in the back, in the vertebras, in the disc. Healing, healing tonight. Healing. Thank you, Father. Healing in Jesus' name. Father, I decree deliverance tonight. Deliverance from addictions of every kind. Alcohol, drugs, whatever it might be. Father, deliverance tonight. Deliverance tonight. In the name of Jesus. Every spirit that's not of God. You hear me now. I charge you by Almighty God. In the name of Jesus. Loose this people. And trouble them no more. In Jesus' name. (coughs) Excuse me. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, tonight they have their will back. When we're harassed and hindered by a spirit, many times we we don't have our own will. We, We do things against our will. We'll lie or we'll steal or we'll 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 drink or 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 shoot or what do do we'll do and then we'll swear we won't do it again. We'll say, I won't do that. I won't do that. I'm not going to do it in. But we, 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 we don't have our will. And Father, tonight that's no longer true. We have our will back. And we say, I will not. I will not. From this day forward, I will not. We're delivered tonight. Set free. Made whole. From this day forward, we're, we're in authority. We're in charge. Body, you listen. You're not running us. We're not body people. We're spirit people. Our spirit man's in control. Our spirit man is in authority. Our spirit man is in control. Father, this year of 2012, we make some decisions that we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Father, we thank You for a pastor that will stand and preach the Word of God in an uncompromised fashion. And Father, this year we, we take hold of His coattail and say, I, I'm with You. I'm with You. 
I'm with you. You're my pastor. This is my church. We're, we're, we're doing this thing. We will. We will. We will. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Some of you need to check your body out. Some of you just need to move something and check something. If you had a pain, check it. If you had a growth or a nod or a tumor, check it. Couldn't see good, see in the name of Jesus. Couldn't hear, hear. Couldn't move something without pain, move it in Jesus. Just, just see what the Lord's done. Thank you, Father. Thank you for miracles. Thank you for healing. Thank you, Father. Oh, thank you. Thank you for peace. We'll sleep tonight. Oh, Father, we'll lay down our head and sleep. You give your beloved sleep. Oh, thank you for sleep. Thank you for sweet sleep. Thank you for no fear. Thank you, Father. You said there'd be a thousand fall at our side, ten thousand our right hand, it'll not come near us. You said there'd be no destruction in the day, no terror by night, no pestilence that walketh in darkness, no arrow that flies by day. Oh, under your wings and under your feathers we're kept safe and protected, blessed. We're in authority tonight. We're in authority. We're, we're in authority. In Jesus' name. Oh, thank you for it. Let's thank Him again. Let's give Him praise again. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Oh, we bless you, Lord. We thank you, Father. We glorify you. We give you glory and honor and praise and majesty and dominion. Thank you, Father. This morning I gave an altar call and asked you about uh, salvation and asked you about rededication and and uh, a number of people raised their hands, and then several of those people, not all of them, went to the prayer room. And that, that's probably my fault. I, I, I tried to hand it off to Pastor. I did, and, 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 and in the doing so, I should have, I should have gotten you to, 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 to either come up or, 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 or done something else. I, I just, I, I bumbled that this morning a little bit. So, uh, and I apologize for that. So, some of you didn't, didn't come and didn't pray that that should have. So. Um, and that's bothered me all day because I never want to be in the problem in, with, with you getting back to God or getting to God. So what I'd like to ask you to do tonight is uh, all of you just pray this prayer with me, would you? Let's just pray what we'd call the sinner's prayer. Pray the prayer that, that uh, uh, I just, uh, you'd, you'd, you'd make me feel better anyway. So uh, just, just say this and say it sincerely. Say, Father, I come before you tonight to accept Jesus. I believe in my heart that Jesus is the Son of God, that He lived on this earth as a man, born of a virgin, died on the cross for me, paid for my sins with His own blood. The third day He rose again. He's alive today. And by accepting Him, I'll live with Him forever. I call on You, Lord, and therefore I'm saved. I receive my salvation. I repent of my sins. I put it under the blood, and I thank You for saving me. Thank You, Lord, for being my Lord and my Savior. And I'll serve You the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Now, now, if you prayed that, I know you all prayed because I asked you to, if you did it for the first time, if that was new to you or you were one of those this morning, then that's a real sincere thing between you and God that you, you made something happen uh, tonight in the spirit world. So you need to tell somebody. You need to come tell somebody. Hey, you can come tell me after service. You can come tell pastor. You can say, hey, I, I prayed tonight and I was sincere about that. And uh, things are right between, between me and God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, listen, you guys have been great. You've been gracious. I've gone a long, long time. Thank you, pastor. And 
and uh, thank you for giving me the, 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 the liberty to, to, to go long. I didn't go ten and a half hours. But uh, listen, uh, you, you check your bodies. I tell you, if we, we could, uh, how many of you, let me, let me see your hand, how many of you check yourself out and something's happened? Yeah. I mean, something's really happened. Not just you're expecting it, but something really happened. Praise the Lord. Good, good. I like that. I like that. I like that. Praise the Lord. In the old days, you know, I'd take a long time and we'd hear testimonies and I'd, then we'd praise the Lord. The more you praise the Lord, the more miracles would happen. We sit here and praise the Lord a little bit more. Got to do some more things. That, see that anointing's here. You, you know, you, you can recognize that, that anointing. But let me say this to you. Some of you, um, some of you uh, are going to continue to see a miracle. Some of you, when you go home tonight, you'll say, oh, man, I didn't realize. See, because you weren't thinking about it, because you didn't come for prayer, God, God's healed some things tonight that you're not even, you weren't thinking of. So as you get home, you might think, oh, man, or you wake up in the morning, man, I slept for the first time, or, or hey, I didn't have that pain, or hey. You know, when you realize that, when it dawns on you, hey, I got a healing, then tell somebody. Don't, don't keep that to yourself. You need to give God glory. You need to give God the honor and the glory for it. So we covet your prayers. You know, missionaries are out of sight, out of mind. I'll be all over the world this year. And, and uh, some places I go, they've threatened to kill me lots of times, and they can't do it. But I sure covet the prayers of people that love us and, and uh, our partners and what have you. And there are some products back there. They sold out of a lot of them today, although I know they're taking, they were taking orders for like the Spiritual Authority Series and things like that. But those are back there and available to you. You can also go on our website, terrymizeministries.org. In fact, if some of you just like to Google Terry Mize, Pastor asked me about telling you some experiences. There's probably, I know there's at least two videos just on YouTube. If you just go Google Terry Mize or Terry Mize Ministries or Terry Mize Videos or whatever, it's our sermons. There's a, couple of, there's a couple of really great videos on there, and either one of them are fundraisers. I don't talk about money or ask you for a dollar. Uh, one of them is about nine minutes long. I'm just talking about 40 years of missions. You'll really enjoy that. It, it starts off with me in the jungles of Panama as an 18-year-old kid. I'm a lot skinnier, real skinny, and, uh, and very sick at that time, by the way. But anyway, it starts off in 1968 with old, you know, 8-millimeter film, you know, and then goes all over the world for 40 years. I'm just talking my heart and God's heart about missions, and I think you'll really enjoy it. People really uh, enjoy that. It's not a puff piece. It's not a fundraiser. just me and God talking about missions. And then there's another, just a couple of minutes uh, of, that, of a meeting I just did in Zimbabwe in April that... Uh, that was really, really a good meeting. We spent a lot of money, helped a lot of pastors because they're in terrible shape. But you can watch both those videos if you want to. And like I said, neither one of them are asking you for a thing. It's just kind of report of what's going on. So we covet your prayers. Sometimes if God wakes you up at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, it may be to pray for this missionary because I'm wherever I'm at, it's noon. I may be in trouble. So I have a lot of people tell me, Brother Terry, I prayed for you on a certain day at a certain time, and I can... I can look back on my calendar and say, man, I needed it right then. So, so we do covet your prayers. And thank you. Pastor, come on and rescue these people. Don't turn your faith off. Praise the Lord.